0: the weekly skeptic episode 52 i'm nick dixon here with britain's most fearless journalist toby young intro suggested by him (laughs) coming up trump's mugshot breaks the internet nadine doris goes nuclear on rishi and the deep state goes after elon musk plus loads more and of course peak woke but toby for once i've been on holiday normally it's you on holiday but this time i've been on holiday and i've been a bit out of the culture war i've still followed it but not to the same extent I've mainly been following boxing it's quite funny your holidays are sort of in various exotic locations around the world just trying to do podcasts while your family annoyingly wants to see you and that affected our we had to rush a bit at the end of of last week's podcast because of that my holidays are just me sat at home watching boxing videos absolutely exhausted from my normal work schedule (laughs) schedule that's a, a very very different holiday experience but that's what i've been doing did you watch the boxing
1: no what who's been fighting
0: so it was Uzik versus Dubois, and Uzik is an extraordinary champion. He, he's Ukrainian. It was in Poland. Loads of Ukrainian fans there. So very hard to get any decisions going your way. There was a low blow, and the question is, was it a low blow or not from Dubois? And Uzyk sat down for ages claiming it had hit his balls, so it was ruled as a, not a knockout, and then he came back and won convincingly. But he was probably always going to win because he's, he's he's an incredible boxer. Anyway, Tyson Fury is my guy, and Uzik is second. But this is not really the content our listeners probably want. But I, this week I could do an hour just on boxing. Turns out have that's you, have, all I want
1: to do. Are you has the Tyson Fury reality show? Um, is it called something like "At Home with the Tysons" or something? Has that? I saw a Furies, trailer for that. I think. Oh, is it? Is it? Sorry, "At Home with the Furies." Is that? Have you watched that? Has that started yet?
0: I've watched it. There was one on ITV, I think, and then there was the Netflix one. I've watched the whole thing. Yeah, of course. Is it good? Uh, I wonder. The first series was quite good because he was at a really interesting point in his in his career with the Deontay Wilder fights. This one, he's not really doing much. He's just sort of knocking around the house, getting up to trouble, just being bored. It gets a bit better as it goes on, but yeah. He, actually, I was watching it. Do you know what, I was, I was watching it, thinking Tyson Fury he's a hero. He's a legend. He lives in Morecambe, near where I'm from. He's You know, his family is from where my mom's family is from, pretty much. And so he's a hero, but and he's a multi millionaire best heavyweight, one of the best heavyweights of all time, best in the world, undefeated. I was watching going, I wouldn't want his life because he's got six kids and it just looks like an absolute nightmare. It's just, it's, it, when he goes away to camp, that's one thing. But when he's stuck, and when he's on stage, but he's just stuck there in the house with Paris. He's like going, oh, where's Tyson? Oh, he doesn't, oh, he's going to come to this party and he's having to just go to kids' parties and stuff. It looks
1: awful yeah that's, that's what family life is like nick yeah you've uh, yeah you i'd just, rather live just... on my
0: own watching tyson fury videos
1: <laughs> <laughs> than being tyson anyway. fury fair enough
0: yeah i've just been, i've really outed myself in my holiday people are always like where are you going on holidays this year nick i'm like i'm sorry What? Well, i've made that joke before uh, but that is not even a joke it's just it's just i don't go on holidays i just don't know what, how to do it if anyone wants to go on holiday with me write in and say where we would go and <laughs> what we'd do I mean, I'm laughing, but someone actually did buy me a coffee and say, "Do you want to go for a drink?" And to that person, I'd say, "Yeah, yeah, we can do that if you want." Um, So I don't want to shouldn't put that out there as like a precedent, though, should I? Because then we'll get every nutter
1: wanting to meet me. Yeah, yeah. Or you you could just you could just say 200 like 25 quid to buy you a coffee, 250 quid to buy you a drink in person.
0: Now you're thinking that's not a bad (laughs) idea. Yeah, just paid meetups with Nick and I. Just you just get to pick my amazing brain. It's not a bad idea, Toby. So if anyone's interested in that service, let (laughs) us know. (laughs) You just meet Nick. That's it. That's the whole thing. Um, But so much has happened this week, of course. It feels like a long time since our last one, but it's just because I've been on holiday, holiday inverted commas. And the main thing we wanted to start with was the debates in the US, of course. We had the GOP candidate debates. I didn't actually watch. I watched bits of it because I've been watching too much boxing, but... I did see some key parts. The DeSantis not putting his hand up was one key part. They said, if former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Vivek Ramaswamy's hand went straight up, totally based. Others went up. DeSantis looked around lamely, then just put his hand up a little bit. And you just thought, that is not a leader. That is a no, coward. It's... What did you make of it?
1: Yeah, that that wasn't DeSantis' best moment. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought clearly vivek was the winner i wasn't the only person to think that um and I I, I I i i'm almost at the point i haven't quite switched but i'm almost at the point of switching from desantis to Ramaswamy. um Ramaswamy seems like he's got a lot more energy he's got that kind of uh, new you know he, he's he's the new new thing which gives him a kind of uh Appeal, which DeSantis doesn't have, though admittedly is also completely inexperienced. Um, he he can kind of channel some of that kind of uh, Trump energy um, in a way that DeSantis can't. Um, you know, he, he he he's very lively, very energetic, full of beans youthful um and i love his 10 commandments he's in all the right places on the culture war i mean that seems like that's his uh, you know he's leading into the culture war and he's completely sound on all those issues but when it comes to other issues like foreign policy um and uh, when he's reflecting on you know nine eleven, 9 he seems to be on shakier ground from my point of view also he's a little bit uh a bit of a uh, he's a bit too neutral or at least a plague on both their Houses when it comes to um, the Russia-Ukraine war. Um, maybe he's you know not trying to antagonise the Trump based on that issue. Most of whom I imagine are pretty pro-Putin. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's a calumny. Um, but um, generally, I'm very impressed with him, um, and uh, and I, it looks as though he will do better uh, than DeSantis if he is the eventual candidate, and you know may even be able to beat Biden if it's a. Runoff between him and Biden, um, though I think DeSantis could too, um, but um, I think the likeliest outcome is that he'll end up being Trump's running mate um, rather than the Republican nominee. And the fact that he's not challenging Trump in any way, and Trump wasn't even, you know, on the dais, um, suggests that uh, yeah, he's not wanting in any way to replace Trump. He just wants to make himself as attractive as possible for a, you know VP, and then he'll run, I guess, in four years' time, assuming Trump doesn't run again. If Trump wins.
0: Interesting. Lots to get into there. Yeah, I mean, Trump fans don't like Putin. They just don't want loads of money going to the war. And Leo's so obsessed with Ukraine. He keeps sending me stuff attacking Vivek. He thinks for some reason I'm like Team Vivek, which I'm not really. I'm mainly Team Trump. But he said, "Oh, he's your boyfriend." He's really not my boyfriend. He's like, <laughs> I just think he's he's good within certain parameters. I mean, that's the question, though. Is he is he controlled opposition? I mean, he you know, he in terms of being he is impressive. As we've said before, he speaks very well. I like his ten truths. He doesn't call them commandments, but I know what you mean. And um, he is very impressive. But he reminds me a little bit of Constantine. Actually, he's he's sort of impressive, but he's but he's quite he's sort of he's I don't know I don't know I probably shouldn't say that <laughs> he's not getting in trouble with Constantine. He is impressive though. He one thing I wonder though, and I'm not calling Constantine controlled opposition. We'll move off that point. But I do wonder <laughs> is he controlled opposition? This this is the attack on on, on Vivek. Is that he? um, in some ways, controlled opposition. The fact that he's at the debate means that he's part of the system in a way that Trump isn't. That was a key thing. Trump was out there talking to Tucker, which we'll get into, whereas Vivek was part of the debate. So he is part of the mainstream system. Is he a sort of Republican Obama? That's kind of what he reminds me of, which is that, you know, he presents very well, young, but maybe he seems to have more substance than Obama on, on policy stuff. But, on, on you know, Obama was just like, yes, we can. But what did it really mean? It didn't really mean anything. So... I wonder, is he good or is he sort of, you know, people call him a plant. I think that's all a bit silly, that stuff. One thing people showed is a a speech he did when he was graduating and to show that he's always been like this. The question is with that, does that show that he's authentic or does that show that he's always just been ruthlessly focused from a young age on being a political figure, so was very sort of in character even then? Have you seen that speech?
1: No, I haven't. I suppose one one interesting thing about him is that... um, I mean, what are his credentials for being the Republican nominee? I mean, he has no political experience at all. He's never run for office before, as far as I know. Um, he hasn't worked in any of – he's never worked for the government. Um, he supposedly embodies the American dream, but it's unusual for you know a presidential candidate to have zero experience in government. And I guess his credential is that he wrote – um, woke Inc. That he's, you know, he's he's established his bona fides uh, in the culture war, um, but beyond being, you know, um, a fully paid up culture warrior, um, he's got no credentials at all. And I think that what that tells us is that in the current febrile climate in American politics, just being, you know, a credentialed culture warrior with one book under your belt is enough to give you a platform to run for the president.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's interesting because the culture war is so relevant and so heated. What did you think of the fact, speaking of the culture war, the Eminem told him off? So Eminem sends Vivek Ramaswamy a cease and desist letter demanding he stop rapping his music on the campaign trail. This was pretty cringe, especially when Eminem endorsed Biden and Kamala Harris in this new campaign ad, One Opportunity, which I've watched. It's just a black and white ad and it plays lose yourself. So Eminem, they're very clear, not saying like some musicians would. Oh, I just don't want my stuff used in politics. Very clearly saying, I want it used for Biden mm. and Kamala, but not for Vivek. Vivek can't even say it himself. He can't even just wrap it in a funny way himself. Isn't that p- pretty pathetic?
1: Yeah, that was um, quite surprising. I had, I didn't, I mean, I haven't really been following Eminem's career particularly closely, but I didn't know he was, you know, a shill for the Democrats. Um, and you know, I didn't know he'd kind of. taken aside in the culture war and taken the wrong side. Um, You went full
0: uh, Trump derangement syndrome a while ago with like an anti-Trump rap. Do you not remember?
1: No, I don't. It um, was really bad. Okay. Um, I guess it could be a blessing in disguise because I don't think that rapping to, you know, doing karaoke or whatever it was he was doing to the Eminem song was his finest moment. Uh, Did you see Bill Maher on, I think it was, is it still called Politically Incorrect? Um, Advising uh, Vivek, to drop that from his kind of stump kind of performance, that it never looks good when people were, He compared him to um, Kendall uh, rapping in Succession. I said, it just, you know, when rich guys rap, you know, even if you're brown, you just can't get away with it. It looks stupid. You know, drop yeah. that. And Vivek, Vivek kind of like, oh, it's just a bit of fun. I like doing it. I've always been a fan of Eminem. And, you know, he, he, he didn't have a convincing comeback, I didn't think.
0: Yeah. It called the, Real the, Time ke-
1: Bill yeah, real time with Bill Maher. That's it. But the, the, I was going to say it's like Kendall. was Kendall. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, that, yeah. That, I, thought, that I haven't
0: actually seen it, but I just thought that myself because exactly who, it, who it's like. Yeah. Okay, guys, just going to uh, do some rap. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, pure <laughs> Kendall. Very embarrassing in that way. But it, I don't know. I don't think it's quite as cringe as Kendall. But um, what did you think to the fact that there that there's two sort of Indian people in these primes? Like, I didn't really think about it, but someone said this is America now. Like, two Indian people. India's kind of taking over. They have got the birth rate. So it was him and it was Vivek and Nikki Haley debating each other, and I didn't realise Nikki Haley was Indian, so I looked into it. But she is. Did you think anything of that, or is that irrelevant?
1: Well, I suppose it um, it gives the lie to the idea that um, America is a white supremacist country where you know if you're white you have all kinds of privileges, and if you're not you suffer from you know. Uh, oppression um, yeah. Indian, Indian supremacist country it's, it's it's a brown supremacy yeah <laughs> it's like uh, Indians are much more successful than whites in America in contemporary America um, I think the, av- the you know the mean household income for Indian Americans is much higher than it is for you know um, Americans of European descent now uh, as it is yeah. in the UK India are
0: winning basically aren't they we thought it was China but their birth rates far too low they had the one-child policy you know they, they're too authoritarian India with their increasing population, they're just coming through. It's very smart people. They're just coming through, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they they're gonna be a superpower, um, you know, uh within a couple of decades. Did you see? I think in the past week they had a they 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 landed a rocket on the moon. And yet we still give them foreign aid. But anyway, that's yeah, a different story.
0: <laughs> I saw that. They got to the moon and we've we've never managed. Um so <laughs> just through the empathy people coming over from London calling the Delin fans, uh we've never been to the moon. Um <laughs> By the way, I should, I should have officially welcomed London calling fans. I didn't really do that. I, I, I even alienated some of them quite early on. and um, So thank you all the London calling fans that have come over. Uh, hope you like it on the Weekly Skeptic. Some of them, I think, have, have not liked it from the reviews, but I've just sensed there's a bit of a hardcore Dellingpo, team dealing ball energy, although hopefully Team Nick is, is going to represent some of your positions. Just a quick message there for our new London calling fans. We have had a boost in numbers, which is very good. Yeah, and I think that um, must
1: be because we have picked up some... London Calling refugees. So welcome to the Weekly Skeptic, guys.
0: Yes, welcome. And um, and someone said someone said that I... Oh, yeah, I'll get into that later. Someone said I was insulting London Calling fans because we'd built Weekly Skeptic quicker than... It, it higher numbers quicker than London Calling. Which, of course, I wasn't. How could it be an insult to the London Calling fans that there weren't as many of them as our pocket? It could never... It was always obviously a boast about me and not at all an insult to them. So that didn't make any sense. Anyway, so... That's feedback, and to be fair to DeSantis, even though he's not doing well, and i 've always backed trump over him he some someone said to me he didn't raise his hand because he he has a different strategy rather than support him. you know in his head, there was some sort of complicated answer that he he wasn't just afraid to raise his hand he had some more complicated answer regarding trump that i don 't totally understand, but so I should have so that's badly represented for me, but the point is they were saying he wasn't just cowardice, he just had a more nuanced take or something, but still.
1: Mm. Waiting, looking it's, around
0: and sticking up your hand doesn't look good.
1: It's, it's quite difficult. I mean, they're in quite a difficult position, um, the various people jockeying for the Republican nomination. Because, you know, in order to get the nomination, they have to beat Trump or Trump has to withdraw. Um, and um, But none of them can say that because if they're seen to encourage Trump's withdrawal um, in any shape or form, that will automatically damn their own bid to become his replacement so they're kind of it's like it's like you're going for a job but in order to get the job you have to say that under no circumstances would you be better than the person you're trying to replace and you absolutely would hope beyond hope that the guy you're trying to replace keeps his job i mean it's sort of a a weird kind of job interview isn't it
0: (laughs) yeah you're right it's very tricky it's one for the 48 laws of power it's like never outshine the master it's very very complicated all right, that's, that's the debate pretty much. And um, then the main thing, of course, about it was that Trump didn't join the debate and he went off and did this Tucker interview separately, which got this extraordinary number of views. Now, it depends who you listen to, whether it's 200 and something million now, 150 million at one point, or whether it's far fewer than that, because that's only the number of people who saw the tweet, or there's another metric for people who watch two seconds of it. I don't think we even see that metric anymore on Twitter slash X. But it was significant because he didn't need to do the debate and he got these massive views for the Tucker interview. And it actually wasn't that interesting in itself. I watched it. It didn't say anything that amazing. It's not quite 2016 vintage Trump anymore, whether he's older or he's just trying to be more calm. He never quite is as exciting as he was in 2016. He didn't say anything that interesting to me, but it's more the symbol. He's a symbol now of truth against this sort of oppressive deep state that wants to persecute him and tucker for his part is a symbol of honesty versus the mainstream media this is my interpretation so people go to trump Trump and tucker they're saying these are the people we want to listen to these are our people who are being persecuted in one way or another or excluded from the system and it almost doesn't matter what they say what do you think tommy
1: yeah i didn't watch it um uh but i'm curious did did tucker ask him any tough questions like, you know, why did you initially endorse the vaccines, the mask mandates and so on and so forth? Um, or did you, did they not get into that?
0: He didn't in the bits I saw, but I think I sort of nodded off at times. I think I was very tired. I, I, and so I don't know. He, he did ask him about, w- w- would they kill you? You know, why, what would, why wouldn't they try and kill you now? But then Trump's answer to that was just so roundabout and basically didn't address it. That would have been explosive if he had directly answered it they're probably going to kill me. You know, that would have been so great, but he didn't, he didn't really do that. He, it, it, it wasn't really, and there was nothing really that stuck with me, to be honest with you. Um, maybe I need to watch uh, it again. I, I found it we, fairly dull, but it was more the fact that he did it. that was interesting. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the really remarkable thing is that um, I think the um, debates, which were, which were what on Fox news um, got t- supposedly 12.8 million views and, um, Uh, whereas, as you say, according to the counter on X, which presumably isn't completely reliable and um, counts as a viewing, someone who's just clicked on the tweet, um, but according to that counter, it got 262.2 million last time I checked. I mean, that is extraordinary, the difference. And clearly, you know, however you count up the number of people who watched the... Uh, interview on X, it was at least 10 times um, the number of people that watched the debate on Fox News, which is extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, it shows you kind of the direction of travel and where the action is now in media. And it made me think we're making a smart move in um, setting up our own, you know, alt media company. Um, uh, And presumably we will put some of our stuff on x um but uh, yeah it is just amazing that's where that that the, the it looks like the u.s presidential election is going to be won or lost not on you know the broadcast network nor on network news but on x and other social media platforms i mean maybe maybe that was also true of the last election but it just feels particularly true of the next presidential election
0: yeah the mainstream media is sort of extra dead they're more and more ridiculous um then the other big thing toby massive thing was that trump well, of course, he got arrested, which is the other thing we have to mention. And he had this iconic, instantly iconic mugshot. I mean, just this perfect mugshot from Trump. And if you look in his eyes, it's just got this hint of rage. There's revenge, there's determination. It just, it just says to me, this is, this, you know, we're, we're coming for you. We're coming back. Whether they will or not, I don't know. But imagine how Americans feel to have their leader persecuted and, and arrested. It's so obscene. I said it captures the rage and determination Trump voters must feel to see their leader persecuted by a corrupt state. And I said it's insane that it's happening, but but they've got used to it like a boiling frog, but this has gone too far. Because what I meant by that, if you step back from it, you think like, OK, yeah, Trump's arrested and you're following the news cycle. But if you step back, it's utterly insane that this is happening. And of course, you get people say to me, yeah, but he did this, Nick, and he released this document, and blah, blah. And we all know every president's done dodgy things with documents, made mistakes or whether it's deliberate or not. Clinton, Biden, all of them. And it, you know, but by suddenly choosing to to sort of follow the letter of the law with Trump, it's so obvious. We all know it's political. It's just so incredible that this can be happening in America, combined with the attacks on Elon Musk, which we'll get into later from the Department of Justice. But anyway, he had this iconic mugshot. And not only that, he then posts on Twitter slash X for the first time since January 2021, And he says, mugshot, August 24, 2023, election interference, never surrender, donaldjtrump.com. Immediately with the website link, with them getting, selling the merch, selling the t-shirts and the mugs with this image. I mean, it's genius in so many ways. It's pure Trump. And just lastly on this, they really couldn't accept this in the lib media. For example, The Atlantic wrote, Donald Trump's booking photo was supposed to be an exercise in humility. He turned it into a threat. And they're just so, the way to, this was supposed to be, you were supposed to not like this, you know, there's just a sort of futile, sniveling, weasel, villain-like fury of the lib, lib, libtard media. What do you think, Tom? Uh,
1: well, I think I think they may be playing you, playing Trump, playing Trump supporters insofar as these indictments of Donald Trump are politically motivated and insofar as, you know, ambitious um Attorneys general are taking advantage, uh, cutting corners, um, taking advantage of their inside knowledge um, to kind of uh, use the criminal justice system to attack Trump. They must know um, that it's only going to enhance his chances of becoming the Republican nominee. And I think the reason for it isn't because they're hoping to. Uh, stop him running, which is kind of Trump's narrative and the narrative of Trump supporters. This is the deep state trying to stop us from being able to vote for our candidate next year. I think they must be doing it insofar as they are motivated by politics and not justice. They must be doing it because they want him to be the nominee because they think. Biden's best hope, you know, their octogenarian, dementia-suffering, narcoleptic, hopeless president, his only hope of being able to be re-elected, is that if he's up against Trump, almost any other candidate on that stage in the debate, apart from Chris Christie, could probably beat him. Um, so I, mm. I, I, I feel like um, you're being played here um, by by the kind of, by the, by the democratic-controlled, media and criminal justice system who want you to work up ahead of steam, want you to feel resentful and defensive and paranoid about these indictments because it makes your bond with Trump that much stronger, because they want Trump to be the nominee because they think they've got him beat.
0: No, and I've never believed that. I've always thought it's too fawty chess for these people. You have to remember how hysterically they hate Trump, how all these lawyers have tried to go after him. The average Trump hater you speak to, they're not rational. I think they just want to crush their opponent, totally humiliate him. Joe Biden talked about it, how we'll do everything within the constitution to stop him. Basically, he's, he said that before, he, there's that clip. They just want to stop him, put him down by any means. It's not for, it's one D chess. It's just crush our opponent completely in the most banana republic way possible. I think that's all it is. And the idea they want him to run, hmm, you know, yeah, he's in some ways, they, he's, he's easier to beat than, than Vivek or DeSantis, arguably. But then again, he's immensely popular. I don't know. I'm I'm not convinced, Toby. I know that's what you think. I mean, I I might be being played, but I don't think it's in that way. I mean, here's an interesting thing that started to happen. The New York Times put out this piece, elections are bad for democracy, August 21st, right? (laughs) Then the Atlantic on the same day puts out another piece, Americans vote too much. No one can be a full-time political animal. So if you read the New York Times piece, it was perfectly fine. It was about how if it has to be a popularity contest, we don't necessarily get the best people. Maybe it should be a pool of people, and then one of those is chosen at random, so they don't want they, they didn't want it, and it was a sort of weighed on them as a responsibility rather than an, an aspiration. And it was a reasonable argument. But if you look at the headlines, the way they, they like to plant ideas in your head in the mainstream media, and we all know they do this. Have, they don't mind how absurd their propaganda sounds, like The Guardian going to the gym is a gateway to the alt-right, or whatever the absurd let's be. So aren't they, Toby, planting the idea? See, I said they're not going to have a fair election, which I've said for ages, but they don't even want elections in future in America. Why, if if that's not the case, are these articles dropping on the same day from the libtard media?
1: Well, you may be seeing a conspiracy where there's none. The New York Times changed the headline on that article, didn't they? After various culture warriors picked up on it. uh, I, but I th- I do think that amongst kind of, you know, the hyper-educated liberal elite, um, the commitment to democracy is getting thinner and thinner. Um, and that's apparent in all sorts of ways. Um, it was apparent here in 2016 and afterwards when the Remainers wanted to ignore the outcome of the EU referendum. Um, it's uh, uh, clear... In the various abuses of the democratic process that have taken place in the run-up to the next U.S. presidential election, although unlike you, I don't believe the last presidential election was stolen uh, or the corruption reaches down to you know um, uh, manipulating the results of, of ballots, um, but um, uh, you know th- the commitment to free speech almost evaporated amongst liberal elites in their kind of determination to protect the public from misinformation and disinformation and hate speech and the rest of it, which of course are all euphemisms for opinions they disagree with or populist threats to their hegemony. Um, So uh, yeah, I I think what we're seeing is the emergence of um, sort of emerging into um, uh, the kind of spotlight is this conflict between um, hyper-educated global liberal elites and democracy, and um, I think that's going to become more and more sharply into focus um, uh, over the next few years, particularly if there are election results that go against the interests, uh, the candidates of the, the liberal elite. Um, so yeah, I think I think I think I think it's an emerging theme.
0: Hmm. Very interesting. On one earlier point, can I just ask, well, can I point something out? This thing about Trump being the sort of outsider and up against the system and so on, Trump loves to cultivate that. I mean, it works for him to cultivate the outsider uh, persona with an enemy. So actually, it's working for him. And it certainly sells him a lot of merchandise. So, you know, when you say that they're trying to, the Democrats are trying to sort of push me into that position, isn't that a position that Trump is happily uh, occupying? Oh, yeah, yeah, he,
1: he, he'll have to happily occupy that position in part, as you say, because, um, he can monetize it. Um, but you know, he just loves being the center of attention, loves being in the spotlight. The more, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't read his publicity. He weighs it to, you know, quote the old saying. Um, but I think the, let's suppose that, um, uh, I mean, I, I, think another benefit as these kind of, you know, as far as the Democrats are concerned from this kind of, uh, legal witch hunt of Trump is that, okay. Um, Things like the mugshot will galvanize his base, Um, but they will also make it harder for him to kind of win over floating voters who he needs to win over in order to win the next presidential election. So even though they might kind of cement that bond between Trump and his base, I think think this kind of persecution of their candidate um, uh, and him reveling in that. And kind of playing the victim card, but as you say, looking defiant and vengeful. Um, I, I don't think it's going to help him win over the kind of moderate centre. But maybe, I mean, w- w- I've seen a lot of videos. I, don't, I haven't seen any polling evidence yet, but you've probably seen these videos too on on X of um, kind of African Americans saying that they haven't voted for Trump before, but now he's their man because he's he's he, he's showing up how corrupt. The criminal justice system is. Um, yeah, they know what it's like to be wrongfully arrested. They know what it's like to kind of have mugshots taken of them. Um, uh, and now he's their man. They're going to vote for him to kind of stick it to the man, to stick it to the U.S. criminal justice system. So maybe if he can, if he can win over enough African Americans, um, uh, uh, he might just just do well enough to put him over the top. Who knows?
0: Great point, Toby. I'd forgotten about that, but. But that's a great point. And how about this? There was a poll before the arrest, before the mugshot, and it showed that in twenty twenty Biden had ninety-one percent of of black voters, right? And Trump had eight percent. But then in twenty twenty three, Biden had sixty one percent and Trump had twenty percent. So Trump had twenty percent pre prison. Yeah, because of course, this is and this is an argument against the for D It's simplistic to say. It's kind of sounds borderline insulting, but once you persecute Trump unfairly and stick him in prison, perhaps he does gain Mm. a a massive amount of empathy from other people, the black community in this case, who feel that they've been unfairly persecuted often and and often unfairly put in prison. This is something they often say. Yeah. So yeah, I could. I mean, it does seem to have happened a little bit. And 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 of course, Trump was popular before he was called racist. He was very popular in rap and so on. So he was actually probably before with black people. So why not? And if, if the fact it was twenty percent before the poll, and that could be a key swing. That is one of the key areas to you know mm. they might pick up votes elsewhere um, mm. w- amongst women. Yeah, and,
1: and, so uh, on. Uh, and and I can and it's not not hard to imagine that if there is a democratic plot to kind of make sure Trump is the candidate, um, uh, this will have been an unanticipated consequence of you know the legal witch hunt they wouldn't have they wouldn't have anticipated that actually it'll increase trump's standing so much amongst african americans that it might actually completely backfire right. i know he did particularly well amongst hispanic americans better i think than biden in the last um presidential election as well
0: mm. yeah because of yeah because the, the black and hispanic unemployment rates that he he worked he must have improved but yeah, it's the kind of thing cynical enough that Hillary could have thought of. I could easily imagine Hillary thinking, if you send him to prison, bl- black people will like him too much. That's a kind of sort of quasi-racist sounding cynical thing yeah. that Hillary Clinton might have said, but it turns out to actually be possibly no, that, that's true. That's true.
1: That's true. No one could have said it in the meetings where they were discussing how best to kind of make sure Trump is the candidate. No one could have put it up and said, well, wait a minute, sir. If, 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 if we arrest him and, and publish all these mugshots and Open all these cases against him, might that not increase his popularity with African American voters? Everyone would immediately turn <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> so it to racist. So no can make the point. So that's no, why it it's that's why this is this unfolding from the Democrats' point of view. <laughs> yeah, the fact that it seems
0: to be happening means that it, you know, that it's just the truth. But also, yeah, if you look into it a bit more deeply, you say, well, no, it makes sense. If they if you we're always hearing that black people in America feel like they're unfairly pulled over and all these kind of things. So it does make sense, and it's not actually racist, but it definitely sounds terrible to say it. So yeah, it would be impossible for them to suggest. Very interesting. Let me ask one more question on this, Toby. Because this is one thing that intrigues me about your stance. You say the election wasn't rigged, but do you think the Democrats would have rigged it 2020 and would do so again if they could get away with it? That's a question that intrigues me. Um, Not whether they did, but whether they would if they could. Just a hypothetical.
1: Well, I I think that... um I think that both sides. Um, uh, I mean, I, I think there's, there is there is no there is no they here, um, uh, which is which is one of the things which complicates the answer. I mean, I think there are you know there are kind of different blocks, different democratic groups in different states, um, and I'm sure some are more corrupt than others and would rig the ballot if they could, um, you know. But then I'm sure there are lots of equally corrupt. Groups of Republicans who would do the same. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the system has to be kind of uh, rig proof um, if it's going to function. And I think my reason for thinking that the, the 2020 election wasn't stolen by the Democrats is that it's very difficult to rig an election at a kind of national level. And I don't think it happened, you know, it may, it may have happened in, in some places, but I don't think it happened on a significant enough scale to have made an impact on the result. I think, you know, Biden's victory was comfortable enough, and it's rig proof enough that it's just the idea that it that, that it could have made a critical difference. Um, a bit of rigging here and there, I think, is is for the birds.
0: But, you, but you, you, so you're not answering the question of whether they would. I'll tell you why I asked, because if the, the fact that they would definitely do it in my mind, if they could, and that's how much they hate Trump, and that's how little they care about American values. To me, renders it not immaterial whether they did or not, but but you know less important. To me, they definitely would, and I'd also I'd also say that on the Republican side, they wouldn't because they believed in American values. But now at this point, I suspect probably they even would as well because it's such a desperation to win now and it's got so heated this is my theory i can't convert, obviously just a theory but the democrats in 2020 even if they if you're saying they didn't rig it i say to myself if they could have they 100% would have i couldn't say that about the other side because i think that they do believe in 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 american values but
1: not i'm not sure anymore i think the i think the the people you'd you know unless there is some very sophisticated way of rigging the elections, um, uh, the people you'd have to enlist in a conspiracy to steal the election would be small town American volunteers who volunteer to invigilate um, in in polling stations, um, who volunteer to count the ballots. Um, And I think the vast majority of, of them are honest, um, uh, you know, um, good American citizens, and I don't think they could be enlisted in a conspiracy of that nature. Uh, I yeah. think you're still talking t- about t-
0: whether it could happen. Just imagine this for a second twenty twenty. Just last question. Imagine this to get my point across twenty twenty election, and you offer Biden and the Democrats they can press a button and win the election, a magical button. Right, and unfairly. They know they've lost on numbers, right? But they can press a button and, just, and still win it. Would they press it?
1: Uh, yeah, but I think the Republicans would too.
0: Interesting. That's all I wanted to get. As a, <laughs> it's like a, like a BBC gotcha. That's all I wanted. Um, yeah, and I, I don't think the Republicans would until... Well, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, the the Bush Republicans, maybe. I don't know. Oh, it's, well, it, it's a question it's, I think well, about a lot. Well, is-
1: I think what one, one, one um, what exhibit in the case for the prosecution, for you, is that um, I think there's pretty solid evidence that um, some ballot boxes uh, did get lost in the 1960 presidential election. Um, and Nixon was too cowed by the glamour of JFK to challenge the result. He conceded, even though he knew that there had been some rigging taking place in some counties in um you know, uh, Chicago and its surrounding environs. Um, uh, So, um, you know, the Tammany Hall Democrats, the philosophy of voting early and voting often, you know, it's kind of, it's almost a running gag in American politics that there used to be this kind of highly corrupt strain within the kind of Tammany Hall controlled Democratic Party. And that's what enabled, that's what put JFK over the top in the JFK-Nixon presidential election of 1960. But the reason that's quite credible is that um, partly because the result was so close. You know, if you lose a few ballot boxes, that can make enough of a difference. But the result in Biden Trump wasn't close enough for that kind of low level rigging to have made an impact.
0: Interesting. I wonder if Nixon was thinking long term that he, he couldn't win that battle and eventually he'd come back, which he did. I don't know enough about it. But when I, I you know, people will point out that Bush had a very dodgy election with Gore. So I would say it's probably not the. Republicans, but this the system we know Trump was Trump was basically a mistake. He was out as much as he was rich and part of the establishment until he ran, he very much was a mistake. They weren't supposed to allow it to happen. And my theory is they just won't allow they will they won't allow more mistakes. But let's see. So even you know, so then Bush and Biden no, I think are on I think I think I think,
1: I think I think the response if if if, um, if the Democrats think there's a risk they're going to lose, I think the result will be challenged in other ways rather than trying to kind of rig the ballot. Um, and I think if they do lose, let's suppose Trump is the next president of the United States, that will certainly accelerate the um, decline, their declining faith in the democratic process. They'll think, God, we've made every effort to try and suppress dissent, suppress conspiracy theories uh, of various kinds. We think we've cleaned up the internet. I mean, it's going to be harder for them. No doubt they will try and blame Trump's victory on misinformation and disinformation and, you know, bad actors, troll farms, foreign interference, all the whole nine yards. But it'll be less credible this time because they've had, you know, They've had since 2016, really, to try and kind of control the internet. And the censorship industrial con- con- complex now is vast and funded to the tune of, you know, multi-billions of dollars and manned by hundreds of thousands of people. And universities all over the world have been enlisted in this great effort to suppress wrong think on social media and the rest of it. If, if that's not enough, if that hasn't done the trick from their point of view, then I imagine their their faith in democracy will just begin to evaporate entirely.
0: Well, I think it's already all over for America and, and has been for a while. And if you if you just step back, and I'll stop going on about it now, but if you just step back and look, they've just arrested Rudy Giuliani the other day. So that's Rudy Giuliani, Steve Bannon, Roger Stone, Peter Navarro, and the last two were treated incredibly badly when the, you know, the CIA, or was it the FBI, raiding... Roger Stone's home in the early hours, and Peter Navarro placed in leg irons, and now Trump himself arrested with a mugshot. If you actually step back and look at it, you realise they are—they're just persecuting their political opponents in the most gangster, banana republic way, aren't they?
1: Or the alternatively, you know, a lot of the um, people in Trump's orbit are just basically crooks.
0: I, yeah, but it, I'd rather believe that Toby because that's that's a, a simpler world. But I just don't believe. I think. There's certainly not more crooks than, um, than anyone else in the system, Biden or Hunter Biden, or, you know, obviously, or Hillary Clinton. So I just think it's pure persecution and it's, a, it's, and it's a disaster. But all right, we differ on that as always. Let's go to UK politics with our friend Nadine Doris, who is, I don't know why I say our friend, She just sort of, she's just quite funny, isn't she? she who has resigned and issued this absolutely brutal resignation letter. It's quite long. So I won't read that much of it, but a few choice bits. I mean, she talked about Rishi Sunak. She said, you flashed your gleaming smile in your Prada shoes and Savile Row suit from behind the camera, but you just weren't listening. And that was about the tech sector. But she also says, why is it we have had five conservative prime ministers since 2010 with not one of the previous four having left office as a result of losing a general election? This is a democratic deficit, which the mother of parliament should be deeply ashamed of, which was an important point. And she talked about how he just doesn't have any charisma. <laughs> and, and like Starmer, he doesn't have charisma. He doesn't have the X-Factor quality of Thatcher, Blair, Boris Johnson. And she's pretty scathing in every possible way, really. She even says that attacks on her, he kind of allowed or, or caused attacks on her, which have led to the police having to come to her house, that he kind of exposed her to that and left her open to attack with no security. And she says he squandered the goodwill of a nation, and for what? it's a zombie parliament, nothing meaningful has happened. Some of the criticisms are interesting because her policies that she was backing are kind of unsound anyway. So for example, she says levelling up has been discarded, which seems bad, but the online safety bill has been watered down, which is good because it's rubbish. BBC funding reform, the clock has run down, that's bad. But defence spending reduced pretty bad. Our commitment to net zero has been squandered, that's good. So the problem is Nadine's all over the map on policy. So it's like some of these things being squandered are actually good. But then she also says you failed to reduce illegal immigration or deliver the benefits of Brexit. And she just ends it just absolutely brutally saying that history will not judge you kindly. And the other key part is that she sort of hints at the dark sort of abuse of the democratic process, which she's going to write all about in her forthcoming book, apparently, and she says that she talks about the she talks about a small group of individuals embedded deep at the centre of the party, and she talks about this is a dark story that's dis- very disturbing. She's going to expose it. So, lots to go on there. Toby, what did you think of it?
1: Yeah, well, it's a, there was certainly a kind of air of martyrdom hanging over the whole thing. I mean, it was it was quite an interesting resignation letter. They're usually very boring and they're usually full of platitudes and. Um, and insofar as they contain any criticism of the prime minister, it's usually quite veiled, but there's nothing veiled about these criticisms <laughs> of uh, Rishi Sunak uh, in this letter. I mean, and it goes on at such length and, um, and it it, 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 it reads as though she herself wrote it and it, you know, it's quite well written and she is a professional writer and she's written some best-selling novels. Um, so it's quite an entertaining read. Um, but um, as you say, she's, um, All over the map on these culture war kind of hot button issues. She's on the right side of some of them, but very much on the wrong side of others. Contain this, the, 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 and you can sort of see why, if she's a social conservative, uh, she might not be terribly keen on free speech. She prioritizes protecting children over free speech, and that's why she supports the online safety bill. So there's a kind of, you know, you can sort of see a continuity between that policy position and some of her other more. Socially conservative policy positions, but then h- why does she include this paragraph? Our commitment to net zero, animal welfare, and the green issues so relevant to the planet and voters under forty squandered. It's like what 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 on earth is Nadine Dorries doing supporting net zero? You would have thought that every instinct she has screams out against that um and green issues i mean presumably that's just kind of shoehorned in to make her sound more moderate or so just as another stick to beat rishi with um, so that that kind of jumped out to me as kind of she's not she, she's not someone i would support if she was to run for the leadership but as you say and, and also there was this kind of uh ludicrous kind of um uh, Self-aggrandizement when she talks about um, she talks about this kind of secret cabal, um, you know, in Westminster and in Downing Street, who've kind of been pulling the strings uh, in British politics, um, you know, seemingly since 2010, um, and um, overturning, you know, um, democratically elected prime ministers or. Prime ministers that were leading the party when the party was democratically elected, like Boris Johnson, she says. You know, having witnessed, uh, she says, she says at, at one point, but she she makes this ridiculous comparison to herself. She puts herself in the same target. It is a modus operandi established by your allies, which is targeted. She means have targeted Boris Johnson transferred to Liz trust and now moved on to me. That uh, she's putting herself in rather elevated company. There, it's as though you know, if there is this kind of secret cabal. Who've been kind of um, you know determining who, who our prime minister should be, um, and ignoring the wishes of the electorate and the wishes of party members. Would that cabal really have kind of turned its attention to kind of um, getting rid of Nadine? Is she? Does she really? It seems just ludicrous. But um, uh, she's clearly got this kind of uh, um, you know um, persecution complex and and thinks that Rishi and his dark dark deep state allies are out to get her Um, and she's seemingly writing a book um, which is going to kind of um, lift the lid on on who these kind of um, behind the scenes villains in the conservative party are Um, so that'll be something to look forward to i mean I, i i i quite liked nadine um uh before she became the secretary of state at dcms and then became you know a cheerleader for the online safety bill and was impervious to any pro-free speech arguments just deaf to any pro-free speech arguments um and seemingly i don't think really understood the bill or what its implications are just thought it was kind of good politics and wanted to support boris who clearly decided to do it so um and i thought her kind of i mean in some ways i suppose her her Devotion to Boris was quite admirable, you know. Um, she was she was loyal um, right up until the end. Um, probably his most diehard loyalist. Um, but on the other hand, it couldn't help but make her look a bit foolish. I mean, you could see pictures of her kind of staring adoringly at um at boris it was, was it like you know it was kind of um it wasn't just loyalty it was almost like a stalker um but uh maybe that's mean maybe that's sexist um uh and um i do think the manner in which she's been kind of pushed out has been pretty unseemly uh, though she did say she was going to go and then didn't go so that was sort of foolish of her um anyway yeah um I, I don't think she's our donald trump and i i i think if she if she does try and come back as um you know, uh, as a Reform Party candidate. I can't imagine she'll get very far. I imagine she'll focus on her broadcast career, but she's backed the wrong horse there because she's Talk TV and not GB News.
0: Well, that latter is absolutely true. And in fact, I was hosting headliners once and uh, my viewing figures just smashed hers so brutally. It was unbelievable. I mean, she's a pretty famous person. Then little old MD here, you know, and to be fair, it was the repeat of her show from earlier in the evening. But earlier in the evening, We also smashed, GB also destroyed her views, and my views from headliners would have destroyed her earlier views as well by many, many thousands. So I sound a bit like Trump there, but tremendous numbers, (laughs) but we did. I mean, I was looking at it, I was going, this is incredible. I'm destroying Nadine Doris on numbers. But like you, I had a certain affection for her, partly because I listened to her long interview with Nick Robinson on that BBC show. And when you listen to someone's whole live story, you have a certain, unless they are an absolute monster, you do have a certain affection for them, and she had a very tough upbringing and a genuine, tough, working-class upbringing in Liverpool. And, you know, th- that is sympathetic. And the way Osborne and Cameron seem to treat her, I can imagine hating that myself because I'm mm-hmm. not a stranger to being a state school person who we always find we're treated very differently. There's these weird posh cabals. I won't say where or in which workplaces, but in some workplaces there's <laughs> posh cabals and we don't quite fit in with them and we are very different. And so I can really empathise with that. But... Um, and even the the grammar fine in my version, Toby. You have got a different one with a typo, but I don't want to pin that on her either. Because like you say, she she is a good writer. And well, I haven't read her novels, and never would. But but in this, she's a good writer. And a bit like Trump with his his merchandising, she is selling the book. I mean, it's a it, you know she is also resigning. She does have beliefs. I'm sure she's sincere. But at the end, I shall take some comfort from explaining to people exactly how you and your allies achieve this undemocratic upheaval in my book it's like the last paragraph it's like she virtually puts a link to she may as well put an amazon link at the end of it you know it's great marketing <laughs> yeah. and um yeah i look forward to the book i mean it's worked i want to read the book now but um yeah and but yeah like like for me exactly the problem is what you said it's that she seemed well-meaning but some of her policies so disastrous the online safety bill being the main one but also yeah net zero if she supported that is that because she's trying to represent people and she thinks they care about green issues but it's been shown recently how unpopular Net Zero is. So I can't even, on the even on the representation angle, I'm not sure I even get it. She must have some sort of polling or representation in her mind because one theme of the letter is you just don't care about any of these policies we were elected on. And that is very hard to argue against. She talks about they had such a marginal deficit when Boris Johnson came in. What is it? They were they were five points down or something? And, and she just talks about how we've completely abandoned... That agenda and just just lost all support and that point remains incredibly yes. salient don't you think
1: yes um yeah Rishi has not been able to move the dial um, I mean well, he's moved it massively it, down if, if, if is move, move right? it the wrong way hasn't been able he hasn't been able to, been able to uh, close that 20-point gap um, uh, which emerged quite quickly after he took over um, I guess he you know he and his allies probably blamed his trust for that um, but um uh, yeah and it's sort of um, it, 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 as you know, I'm not I'm not as um I'm not as pessimistic as most other people about the next general election. I mean, just to just a I I think that it's it's it odds on that Labour's going to be the largest single party, but I don't think it's odds on that they're gonna win an overall majority. And my reasons for that, which I've shared with you before, are that only three Labour leaders in the history of the party have won overall majorities, Clement Attlee, Harold Wilson and Tony Blair, and Keir Starmer certainly isn't in that class. Um, but I, I was sharing this, um, and I pointed out I was, I was talking to you know a, a Westminster insider who I went to see um, QPR play Southampton uh, away, and I bumped into a Westminster insider who I know who's a Southampton fan on the train, and we had a little chat about politics, and and I made my you know I I, I set out my reasons for being less pessimistic than him, um, and I also pointed out that um, in order to win the next general election, Keir Starmer has to. Uh, uh, win more seats just to win a majority of one than Tony Blair did in 1987. And he said that he'd made the same point to a Conservative MP and the Conservative MP had said, yes, it's true that Keir Starmer's no Tony Blair, but Rishi Sunak is no John Major, which sounds pretty good, pretty damning, quite funny. Um, but then when you think about it, it doesn't quite work because um, uh, okay, um, Blair beat, John Major um but John Major the analogy would be who did John Major have to beat in order to win um well he had to beat Neil Kinnock uh, and in in my in my scenario Rishi Sunak is John Major and Keir Starmer is Neil Kinnock um and um and so Rishi it's still you know possible that he could do it defy expectations no one thought Major would do it in the 92 election um uh, uh but he did, um, so I think that the, the correct analogy, if you're if you're going to compare, uh, but but then maybe Rishi is no John Major, um, maybe he doesn't have John Major's. I mean, he's it's. A, I, I can't imagine exactly, you know, what great qualities John Major had that that Rishi lacks, but um, maybe it's true.
0: Yeah, it does sound sort of ludicrous. I mean, Major was so dull. I think Rishi probably comes across better than John Major than the average voter. But the question is, would. Keir Starmer ever slip on a beach and I can't see him doing it I can't see him moving fast enough did, wasn't that the thing that really did for Kinnock at one point when he slipped
1: yes yeah yeah he made a few mistakes he also kind of uh, uh he seemed to take the the outcome of the election for granted um which supposedly turned voters off um but yeah he was just uh he, he was he was kind of a bit of a lightweight yeah, and I think I think these analogies are probably um, not terribly helpful. And uh, I think it's it's certainly within the realms of possibility that that Starmer could win a small majority. I just think it's more likely he'll Labour will be the largest single party in the next Parliament, and and not as unlikely as other people think that that Rishi could win a very small majority or be the largest single party.
0: Well, I'm more on the um, Tories going to get hammered side, but it, here's an interesting poll though. Willingness to vote for an entirely new party. Did you see this? Would you be willing to vote for an entirely new party that does not exist at this moment at the next general election? And of conservative voters, let me have a look. So, oh yeah, so all respondents, 34% said yes, 36% no. Conservative voters, 28% yes. And Labour voters, no, so yeah, likely Conservative voters, 28% yes, 46% no. Okay, likely Labour voters, 29% yes. And 37% no. So more Labour voters would vote. They've made it really confusing because they put the yes and no in red and in blue and red, but it's, it just means yes and no, not Labour and Conservative. That's why I was stuttering there. I was like, why would you do that? Anyway, so 29% of Labour voters would vote for an entirely new party. 28% of Conservatives. Likely Liberal Democrat voters, 36% yes, 38% no. And obviously of undecided voters, it makes sense. 44% would vote for a new party, 21% no. So it, it was pretty... I mean, that's pretty huge that 34% of all respondents would vote for a new party. But do they just say that when polled? Would it actually happen? Because you have parties like Reform who are doing okay, but in our system they can't really get anywhere. But, I mean, I think mm. if we if we change to, to proportional representation, we'd have, we'd have something radically different. But under our system, despite that poll, would do you think people really are ready to vote well, for a new party?
1: Also, the, the poll is quite misleading because people might be willing to vote for a new party, but that's not to say they, they, they'd be willing to vote for the same new party. So, you know, they, they might have a party in mind that they'd prefer to any of the existing choices, but they might all have different parties in mind. So, you know, that doesn't mean they're going to vote for a new party. Um, it means they might vote for, you know, um, any new party. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no particular one, if you see what I mean. Um, that's a so- good point,
0: but it does also suggest that there is a, a desire there. And, and if someone... If, if one new party could gather up all those people, although if they have disparate views, it's probably hard to see how, but there is a potential for a party to come in and, and make a massive change.
1: Yeah. Would you, would you think parties. about, I mean, let, let's suppose a kind of, um, uh, let's suppose um, David Frost um, breaks ranks with the Conservative Party. Um, uh, and after the Conservative Party loses the next general election, becomes the leader of a new political party, which is, you know, anti-net zero, anti-woke gobbledygook, never gonna lock down again, sound on economic issues, sound on social issues. Would you consider getting involved in that party, perhaps even becoming a candidate?
0: Well, if it was David Frost, you mean my mate, Lord Frost, who's done my other podcast, <laughs> and he's a fan of this podcast. Of course, I if you know, if he asked me, I'd get involved. What in what way, Toby? Like I'd be what well, Frost would be the leader, I'd be a candidate.
1: I suppose, yeah, he might ask you to. Um, he probably wouldn't, but it's possible he might ask you I to be. He would. Uh, maybe he would. Um, a candidate, you know, Nick. Um, Up in Cumbria, uh, probably. Uh, I couldn't uh, lose Cumbria, in Cumbria. Cumbria. Exactly. I'd be like yeah, Uzik in, in
0: in Poland. I, I couldn't lose. I'd be like <laughs> i even more. I'd be like Uzik in Ukraine itself. I could not lose in Cumbria, especially the Lakes area, because I just know all the all the struggles. I know, like, the hospital's been moved to Lancaster, and you can't get a dentist appointment. There's no buses. There's no public transport. I just know all the problems of, of the area, and I, you know, they're my people. So I think I'd, and I understand all the issues. I, I think I'd just destroy. I've got the public yeah. speaking skill. I've got the likability. I could bring out the guitar.
1: <laughs> you be, you be, <laughs> be the, you could be the Beppo Grillo of, um, of the Frost Party. Um, i don't get that but, reference, but... He, he was, he was a comedian um, uh, who um, uh, led the five star party in italy did incredibly well kind of populist candidate oh is that the um, really right wing party Zelensky was um was a, oh, he was was a, a comedian, comedian of course well, yeah telecomedian
0: yeah it's the short gap between it's this short journey from comedian to far-right person uh, <laughs> that's why i wouldn't get it because i make jokes like that but yeah i, I think i could be a candidate but the question is toby would you be a candidate because you're actually a s- serious
1: possibility yeah, I mean, and that's probably why you um, asked me. No, no. <laughs> so, well, say so you'd ask me, David, <laughs> if you're listening, I would consider it. Um, no, I, I, I don't know. I've, 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 I was asked by Nigel Farage. Um, he took me out to lunch um, uh, at um, the Boysdale, um in Victoria, um, which is a kind of uh, steak and cigar restaurant, um, and. Um, he asked me if I would um, become an MEP, if I, if I would join UKIP, become their edu- education spokesman. And um, and he more or less said, if you do, um, I can make sure you get a seat in the European Parliament. Um, and, um, you know, I did think about it for, for a day or two, but in the end decided not to because I was sort of involved in the free school movement at that time. And I thought it might discredit the movement if I, if I joined UKIP. Um, but also, you know, just didn't want to, there's something kind of – I mean, to succeed in politics, I think you need to be – well, first of all, you need to be extremely thick-skinned. Um, I think That's that's maybe where you would fall down. Um, well, but, uh, we've got a review but, about that later, so we'll get on to okay, that. Okay. But I think also you just have to kind of – you have to repeat the same talking points over and over and over and make it sound as though you kind of mean them. And, you know, you have to kind of fake sincerity the whole time. And I just – I mean, Boris was quite clever about kind of, you know, doing it with a twinkle in his eyes he wasn't expecting people to take what he was saying at face value you know he recognized it was just a kind of script he was reading from and he didn't want his audience to think that he was deceiving them in any way i know it's a script you know it's a script let's play along um but but i think i'm not as sophisticated or as good a public speaker as boris i don't have his political dexterity um so i just think i find it quite boring and bruising and um and, you know, it's an enormous effort um, with an enormous cost for, you know, um, and the chances are you'll fail. So, you know, it's, 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 it's it, I don't like the odds very much.
0: Yeah, the thin skin thing, it would be an issue for me. But and we'll get on to later why, why, what my thoughts are on that. But, yeah, I was informally offered the, to be deputy leader of UKIP. I think I might have said this before. And I later realized it might have actually been a serious offer. Um, <laughs> I could have done that, but I felt the brand was sort of over and it yeah. wasn't the best move for me. But uh, I think my sense of humor would set me apart on my speaking ability. As I was saying to Steve Baker, if you could, and he is quite funny, but I was saying if you could master that, you'd be you'd be streets ahead. Because when you look at Boris's speaking compared to the, the Trusses and the, mm. you know, I was mm. watching the conference and just someone like Truss, this was before Truss was, was PM. She came on and just said, conference, who starts a speech? with a blank stare mm. and the word mm. conference. I might've made this point before, but it's so absurd. Boris gets up, talks about logworms, and everyone's eating out of his hand. And that's yeah. the difference. So I'd get up there and be funny. I wouldn't need to talk yeah. about the policies. And that would just yeah. be a huge difference.
1: Yeah. I think you you'd certainly nail that aspect of it. And one of the, one of the appealing things I think about going into frontline politics is you can, you could, if you're a writer or if you have some writing chops is you can certainly utilize those skills um, uh, when it comes to speech writing policy papers op-eds etc um and you know you you quite like performing you're pretty quick on your feet I imagine you do quite well on things like question time and you know all of that aspect would be would be that's quite entertaining show business for you know people that don't look like Brad Pitt and all the rest of it but it's 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 kind of It's the kind of grind of it. It's having to kind of repeat the same message over and over again. It's having to deal with all the haters, having to kind of screen that out. Um, I don't know. You don't have a family, so that wouldn't be an issue for you. But I'd be worried about the impact on my family, how their friends would feel about it, how they'd start to be treated. Would they need, you know, bodyguards i mean i don't know and 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 inevitably you kind of end up kind of being forced into these much less nuanced much more extreme positions and you start to start out taking um and that kind of that feels a bit kind of disfiguring and self-mutilating i don't know i mean there are certainly Mm. issues i care a lot about and would want to promote and you know it'd be exciting to be involved in a new party led by someone like david frost which had a bit of momentum behind it in the kind of ferment following you know um the next general election i think there'll be a lot of political opportunities it's quite exciting in all sorts of ways but i think generally i think you know I'm, I'm too old to embark upon a new career
0: well i think probably the point i said ages ago that getting the tories when they're at their bottom point is probably still the best strategy if you want to make a difference but you're right i could write the op-eds as well i mean i just my um Oliver Anthony Monlog has 51K views on YouTube at the moment on my own channel, which is a small channel. I wrote it myself, performed it on Free Speech Nation. So that shows I could do that kind of thing. And my writing is, is, is elite level. But, and I like the fact that you elided the showbiz for ugly people. That was nice the way you did that, Toby. Um, <laughs> Thanks. But I did notice. But, uh, but, um, but when you say the family, that's what would be my undoing, not having a family. Because they would say, why has this guy not got a family? And why does he support Andrew Tate? And then it's all over. Misogynist far right candidate. That's true. Lord yeah. Frost forced to distance yeah. himself from misogynist <laughs> yeah, far right yeah. comedian yeah, 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 <laughs> with no yeah. family, loner comedian, loner far right Tate loving comedian. Comedian would be inverted commas.
1: Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Th- all of that. Yeah. No, you it, <laughs> it. <laughs> the, the, the,
0: But I could win. I could still win because what about Tom? He just said locker room talk. He got away with that. I could just say, look, the voters are smart enough. You know, most men I speak to like Andrew Tate for his positive message about masculinity. I think the voters are smart enough to see the difference between comedy and now in my new serious role as a politician. I think they're smart enough to recognise that's a different context and that they're not too worried about silly things like that. And the reason I don't have a family is I'm so dedicated to my work and making changes for the ordinary people of Cumbria. <laughs> Come on, Toby. <tell>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think well, yeah, maybe, maybe I think, I think, I think, I think, I think the, I think the, I think the comedian card. Would work up to a point i don't think it's a get out of jail free car but i think it does give you some protection you know i was just joking when i said that you know get a sense of humor um but um the the difficulty would be if kind of various smoking bimbos came out of the woodwork um and and bimbos. corroborated some of these stories you know i mean are you confident that there are no ex-girlfriends that would kind of give exclusive interviews to the male about how how you treated them which would which would make the Uh, uh, wannabe Andrew Tate or pound shop Andrew Tate charge more likely to stick
0: I'm extremely confident that it's not a slew of bimbos that I've missed I would have noticed them that's one of my best areas I'm so square that actually you know there's only like there's only a very few people that could come out and say anything yeah they might say something damning, but it wouldn't be that it couldn't be that bad because I just haven't done anything that bad I think we've discussed it before my record Mm. of behavior is extraordinarily clean Especially when I look at what people are getting up to, and we find out what people do in life, the Harvey Weinstein type of people. I've done nothing at all. I've basically done nothing wrong in my life. But it's what I've said that's the big problem, as, as you point out. It's what I've said and who I am. <laughs> it's, not, it's not anything I've done. There might even be a Toby Young esque anything about. There might be something about boobs, maybe in there somewhere. I don't know. I think not.
1: we we put pretty one of the. I mean, if I was your political. Advisor, I'd right? say, so, well, first of all, you need to delete all your social media accounts before anyone has a chance to, you know, make copies. Um, but but secondly, you'd probably have to delete all all of our pod, our entire archive. Our new business would would have to be closed almost immediately. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. All the podcasts down. All the GB news appearances scrubbed. All the tweets down. And then yeah. it'd just be. Then it could grill me on my background. There's gonna be nothing there. There really is nothing. I'm ashamed. of genuinely, uh, you know, I mean, I'm well. Obviously, I'm ashamed of all sorts of things because uh, you know. I hate myself, but there's nothing actually bad. So I think, yeah, you're right. If I scrubbed everything I've ever said and done <laughs> and it was just on character and like there'll be no dodgy golfers, there'll be no drug stories, there'll be nothing really. You know, uh, plays for uh, his local uh, football uh, team, uh, five a uh, yeah. nice guy.
1: Yeah, And maybe, maybe you could, um, as part of your preparation for your new life, you could get an, an autism diagnosis and then you could say if anyone <laughs> accused you of saying inappropriate things about that, it that's just because of my disability yeah, i just didn't know yeah. I, I sometimes blurt things out i mean I, are you are you are you discriminating against me on the basis of my disability you could be the neurodiverse candidate
0: good idea i am on the Asperger spectrum but i've never let it stop me yes it means i occasionally say inappropriate things and i don't realize and if i've offended anyone i apologize but you know, this is a disability. The end day, right? Yeah. Toby. But then I'd yeah. have to get a proper official diagnosis. I, of, I've
1: lived with this disability all my life, and um, and I I'm have quite high but functioning, so other people, people don't here. notice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Except Toby yeah. Young, who also suffers from the same affliction, weirdly. But <laughs> 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 um, um, okay, but you know what? The one argument against it, Toby, and the one real argument that stops me was made by you when you pointed out. That no matter what you achieve in politics, you can be a Farage, you can be a Reese Mogg, You still end up where I already am anyway. I presented he- I present headliners frequently. I even presented Free Speech Station the other day. I'm already a GB News presenter, slash panelist, admittedly, but I'm very yeah. close to being what they want to be, what they you know, where they end up anyway. I've already made it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've reached it's the top like a, and had to stop. Yeah. It's um it th- there must be some version of Showbiz for Ugly People that applies to GB News. It's kind of showbiz for, for retired legends. politicians or something. Yeah, I haven't got, got that. People. The, yeah, yeah. But yeah. All you,
0: right. You, yeah. Got what you were going to say?
1: No, no, no. You, you, you've <laughs> reaped the reward. You've, why why struggle for 25 years on the back benches uh, and be subject to brutal character assassination on a daily basis when you've already achieved the ultimate reward you've gone to the media equivalent of the upper house gb news so you're right i mean cancelled
0: heaven and and you know what can you really imagine me getting in line with a a whip or whatever like this is what we're saying on this issue i'm like no (laughs) 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 this is never gonna happen so i'd be a rebel yeah i'd be a rebel too much of a rebel um all right well that's i don't know what topic that was (laughs) but that's that topic covered (laughs)
1: So our first ad today is from uh, one of our most loyal sponsors, probably our most loyal sponsor, Thor Holt. Although Thor enjoys helping others generate more revenue, he isn't personally driven by money. In fact, I've known him for a few years now, and he's been a staunch volunteer for Free Speech Union members who've been cancelled since our launch in 2020. Back in his 20s, Thor was a voluntary mentor for Bonardo's, and in his 30s, he worked with a charity dedicated to reducing modern-day slavery in India. In his 40s, Thor co-founded a coffee company for a charity supporting Christian victims of persecution around the world. Thor turns 50 in September and plans to celebrate by building on his family rehab legacy at North House Croft on the tiny tiny island of Papa Store. To that end, he's just published a raucous conversation with famously cancelled comedian, actor, and entrepreneur Dan O'Reilly, a.k.a. Dapper Laughs, for Thor's Hippie Hut podcast. Dapper and Thor are certainly no saints, but they aim to help men who feel hopeless and mask it with substances or alcohol. You can listen to Thor's Hippie Hut podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and you can say hello to Thor on at North House Croft, on Instagram. That's at Northhouse Croft on Instagram. Uh, Instagram. And remember, if you want to listen to his his podcast, it's Thor's Hippie Hut. Hippie Hut spelt H I P P I H U T.
0: All right, well now let's go over to Will for our top stories of the week.
1: So I'm here with Will Jones, the editor of the Daily Skeptic, to discuss some of our Biggest stories of the week. So, Will, the first story you want to talk about this week is um, a bit of a shocker. One of Sadiq Khan's deputy mayors tried to persuade the author of a paper about the impact of the initial ULA scheme on air quality in London to alter his conclusions, because his conclusion was that actually it had made zero impact when it came to children's health.
2: Yeah, that's right. Shocking revelation here, although perhaps we will stop being shocked by this kind of thing at some point because it seems to happen so frequently and it comes out so often. They should have learned, shouldn't they, by now that they can't get away with this kind of nonsense behind the scenes. Uh, It always comes out. This is the news that the London Deputy Mayor, Shirley Rodriguez, has been accused of trying to alter a Lancet study's conclusion. This is a leading scientific journal, because the conclusion found no health benefits for children from the city's low emission zone. That's the existing arrangement that London has. And she complained to them, she says it reads like, and of course, it really read exactly like this, that the that less low emission zones, or similar have no impact at all. Uh, and this was this all happened uh, five years ago it happened in November 2018, when Professor Chris Griffiths of uh, Queen Mary University of London, uh, he, he actually, you know, good on him, he refused the request. Because he, he replied and said, Apologies. This is very understated academic talk. Apologies. It's difficult to alter the sentence you refer to, as it's what we set out to look for but didn't find. Uh, ouch. That's uh, that's putting her in her place. Uh, and the study was published unaltered the following day in uh, Lancet Public Health and made those conclusions, says there's no evidence of improvements in uh, children having these symptoms from the poor air quality. So yet again, we see attempt at political interference in what is supposed to be an objective scientific process. And this, of course, highly relevant to the ULEZ scheme that came into force across Greater London, the expansion uh, today, which just just shows that that the evidence is is just not there, and they're twisting the evidence, the twist, they're twisting the the science, scientific papers, they're trying to twist them to try to make it look. Uh, look like it's a doing something. Look like it's better. You have to suspect that that there's some other motivation. What do you think is going on, Toby? Why do, why do you think they're so keen to push it when the evidence isn't there?
1: To raise money. It's 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 a it's a it's a cash yeah. point machine. For, yeah. It's, uh, I, I think I think the there's man. also an element um, of
2: war on the motorist. To be honest, um, I think it's not. Uh, it's def- I mean, it's obviously, mo- you're you're absolutely right. It's a money. It's a money raiser. All these things are are ways of just uh, rinsing the t- uh, the the motorist and the taxpayer for. Uh, for more money, but I think there must be also be this kind of this green agenda going on as, as well. Uh, we saw that last week the government decided it couldn't. It was given legal advice that it couldn't intervene to overrule this veto. This, even though the government has these reserve powers to to veto the mayor's crazier schemes, they were advised by their own legal advisors, that they couldn't do that because of their own policies, their own laws about improving air quality. They are they are they they have they've tied themselves up in green knots on this.
1: So, Will, you also wanted to talk a bit about this um, uh, study that's just been published by the Royal Society about non-pharmaceutical interventions, um, which claims, um, uh, in spite of all the evidence we've been accumulating on the Daily Skeptic, it claims that the NPIs introduced by the British government as part of its pandemic response. Were effective, that that they they did actually reduce transmission and save lives. And you've done rather a forensic um, analysis of um, this new study.
2: That's right. This, in fact, it's worse than that, Toby. They um, they didn't just say they were effective. They this the study actually stated that they were unequivocally effective in cutting COVID-19 transmission unequivocally no so no 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 equivocation no doubt about it that's what they said it's, that appears in the study um, studies I should say them themselves and of course it appears in all the media reports um, about it in the headlines on the times uh, and the BBC and other places the uh, major outlets really really trumpeting this study and in fact one person pointed out that they wrote something on Twitter or X, as it is now, about uh, masks. And in the community notes uh, within a day, on the same day this study was published, it was already appearing as a link on the community notes on X, telling people to go and look there because this study had been published. So, ma- major study from the Royal Society, very prestigious, uh, centuries-old uh, scientific body in the United Kingdom, and uh, this is a major re- evidence review. It's being published in that in-house in their in-house journal six studies looking at six uh, different areas, including lockdowns and social distancing and face masks. Uh, They're probably the most interesting for us. And four other areas, including communication of the danger and other areas of the pandemic response. And this conclusion was in all cases, they said that that it was an unequivocal uh, evidence. And uh, in The Times, Tom Whipple uh, wrote that the report involved more than 50 scientists from around the world, and that the strongest impact on coronavirus infections, it claimed, came from a full lockdown, and they said that of 151 studies they considered uh, that that estimated the effect of stay-at-home orders, 119 found a substantial benefit, they claim, corresponding to a reduction in the R number, that's the rate of the spread of the virus, by about 50%, so claiming that it cuts, that lockdowns cut the transmission of the virus by in in half fifty percent, uh, and unequivocally they claimed. And this is of course complete nonsense, as as we as we know, uh, as readers as regular readers of the Daily Skeptic, uh, know there is there is copious evidence that lockdowns and face mask uh, mandates and face mask wearing have a very little impact. Uh, no significant impact. Many of the studies found uh, on the spread of the of the disease. Face masks, in particular, we know that the Cochrane review came out earlier this year. Tom Jefferson, uh, the uh, lead author uh, of that, uh, and that famously uh, concluded once again. Once again, because this is an update to a regular Cochrane review, uh, and once more concluded, as you would expect, the same thing. It's always concluded before, going back way before the pandemic, uh, that uh, that there was no evidence of any statistically significant benefit effect of um, of face masks. So you might ask, how does this how does this new review get around get around this problem that this of this high quality evidence? That's what the Cochrane review uh, looked at. How to get around that? Well, basically, they just take they just take all the observations. Studies that uh, that they that and the and the the Royal Society Review itself makes clear. It states in several places that this is low quality evidence, poor quality evidence, severe or critical risk of bias. They say this is this is his own studies. uh, state this in numerous places that this this evidence is low quality, poor quality, uh, risk of bias. And they but but nonetheless they take all of this all of these uh, studies and um and many of them many of them uh including uh, using modeling uh that's where you obviously you make assumptions uh, and build a model and uh, and the output you get very dependent on the inputs the modeling inputs that you put into it so you get out what you put into it um and and that and that's how they managed to produce this uh this supposed uh, unequivocal uh evidence but of course it's not unequivocal at all and as i pointed out in my uh, my piece of the daily skeptic uh it is it is Extremely dubious. Certainly not unequivocal. Uh, the study itself, the studies themselves, uh, make clear that there are, there are many, many studies that that show no effect, and uh, and that the and the quality of the evidence, as I've said, um, is very low. Uh, Tom Jefferson and Carl Hennigan of the Oxford Centre uh, for Evidence Based Medicine uh, also wrote an article about this uh, review, uh, which we uh, printed in the Daily Skeptic as well, also making uh, very similar points. Uh, it's um, it's just just very 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 poor. But you can you can you can imagine. And, and, and we you, we fully expect that this uh, that this study is going to be cited. It'll probably get cited in the COVID inquiry, I'm sure. Um, and it's going to be cited all over the place uh, to to claim now that uh, that this is this is supposedly rock solid evidence uh, that these interventions uh, work when in fact uh, the evidence really still isn't there. Um, so pretty depressing um, and uh, a pretty awful uh, review, and uh, just shows uh, once again that uh, well, as as Carl Hennigan and Tom Tom Jefferson put it, um, it seems that the that the authors of it understand the political the understand full well the political situation they're in, um, and seem to know how to how to spin spin gold um, out of um, out of hay and uh, and to make. Uh, to make poor quality evidence and turn it into supposed, uh, su- supposed evidence that backs up uh, the official political narrative.
1: Horrendous example of um, the political corruption of science. And we'll finish with yet another example, um, which uh, Chris Morrison's written about twice now in The Daily Skeptic, which is um, a paper um, by some uh, distinguished climate scientists um, concluding that there is no climate emergency has been retracted. By the peer-reviewed journal that published it, even though it passed through the peer-review process, um, beh- retracted at the behest of um, climate activists. Do you want to tell us about
2: that, Will? Yeah, it seems to be a theme today, doesn't it? This is uh, is is p- political corruption of science uh, in all these areas, and uh, and clearly clearly evidence of of things being changed uh, for from political pressure. Yet again, here we have this is in the area of climate, uh, as you say the uh, a, a um, article peer-reviewed article which we featured um, uh, featured prominently uh, last year uh, by four uh, distinguished scientists including three professors of physics uh, from Italy so this is the four Italian uh, physicists if um, four Italian uh, climate climate uh, scientists uh, physicists uh, which uh, some readers may remember from <coughs> uh, f- uh, from last year that we we highlighted uh, this this article, uh, sets out the evidence on extreme weather. Uh, it's, it shows that there is that there are there is no there is no tr- no clear positive trend of extreme events. This is its conclusion uh, in all kinds of areas: uh, natural disasters, floods, uh, and ecosystem uh, productivity. Uh, there's just the the evidence just isn't there of these things increasing, let alone correlating with carbon dioxide. So the, this is this is clear evidence against there being a climate emergency, as we know claims of extreme weather becoming very prominent in the in the narrative for uh for net zero and uh, the climate emergency. Um, so they, they made these claims, and and the. And this this uh, this article was uh, was was perfect perfectly fine. I mean, I'm sure it had some. Well, I'm sure it wasn't perfect, uh, but uh, but it was as good as it was. It was it was a good or better than than many article uh, many other scientific articles. Certainly, no justification for uh, for retracting it. But uh, but huge huge pressure was placed on the on the journal editors on the journal Springer Nature, um, and the the editor in chief is said to no longer have confidence in the results. Um, and although the authors uh, submitted, well, they were invited to submit a correction, but they refused because it wasn't need correcting. So they submitted an addendum, but the authors, uh, the editors said they weren't going to publish that either. Um, and, and leaked emails, this is why this story is in the news now, leaked emails uh, show that this addendum was sent for review to four people. And three of them were perfectly happy with the uh, with the addendum. Uh, this is additional notes that the authors had made, clarifications uh, of what they'd said. Three of the reviewers were perfectly happy with it um, and said that they couldn't fault it, um, uh, but only one objected. And uh, for reasons that are unspecified, the editor uh, decided to to go with that one that one reviewer. Um, and it just shows the corruption of the process. Really, they just needed an excuse. They just needed an excuse uh, to do what the what the uh, politicians and the uh, and the activists were were crying out for. Um, and to pull pull this paper, and it just shows, doesn't it? People always say, "Oh, where are your peer reviewed uh, papers that uh, say this?" And they claim they claim these consensus. Of uh, of climate scientists or scientists about about climate change, uh, but it's a if, if even if that claim was if there's any truth to that claim, and we know that true is very that claim is very dubious in itself. But even if there was any kind of consensus, uh, which there isn't, but if then if there was, um, it, it's clearly a falsely a falsely created consensus. By ex- going going to extreme lengths uh, in some cases to to exclude dissenting voices, uh, people who don't uh, who don't agree with uh, the very well funded uh, mainstream narrative on climate.
1: Yep. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much, Will. Uh, and we'll talk again next week. Great. Thanks, Toby.
0: Okay, so that was Will. Let's get back into it, Toby. I thought we'd do this. Kissgate, I don't know if anyone's calling it that. Luis Rubiales of the Spanish FA, of course, we talked about it before because he terribly kissed this woman in celebration. Hernandez, is that a her name? Hernandez, I've forgotten her name, it's something like that. And he and in the in the uh, the football, of course, this is me just uh, stalling while I find the statement from the Lionesses. Yes, and the Lionesses put out a statement and it's all got even worse. Everyone's pressuring him to resign, the media, the FA. So far he's not resigning. And we now find his mother has gone on a hunger strike in a church because she feels he's so badly treated. And the statement from the Lionesses was, unacceptable actions allowed to happen by a sexist and patriarchal organization. Abuse is abuse, and we have all seen the truth. Quite a weird statement, sort of missing key words. But anyway, the behavior of those who think they're invincible must not be tolerated, and people shouldn't need convincing to take action against any form of harassment. We all stand with you, Jenny Hermoso, and all players of the Spanish team, the Lionesses. I believe that's the real statement. It's so badly written, I'm, I'm not certain, but I think, I'm pretty sure it is. And it just made me think, Toby, and everyone's going to hate me again for this, but women's football is just one massive HR investigation because it just opens a can of worms. I said it before, it opens a Pandora's box of political issues because you, unless they had all women involved in the infrastructure, all female managers, female everything, okay, and then, it, then, then there wouldn't really be problems. Unless, I don't know, unless you had some sort of aggressive lesbian version of Harvey Weinstein. But really, there wouldn't be these problems. The problems come because it's men and women mixing, which doesn't really work, let's be honest, guys, in many, many arenas of life. And it leads to all kinds of new problems we haven't thought of. And one of them, of course, is this kiss, which was just a kiss in the moment, to me, just a, you know, exuberant moment, nothing dodgy or harassment-y about it at all. We see it happening in men's football all the time. But the woman may have felt differently. She said she didn't give consent So let's be fair and represent that position. But it does seem like it's been massively blown out of proportion. But all the media is saying is, why hasn't this guy resigned yet? And obviously, he's going to have to. He's under massive pressure. But the fact that his mother did this hunger strike, you know, it must be horrible the way he's getting cancelled and she's having to go through it. I haven't heard anyone take that side. All I've heard is them mocking his mother, mocking this guy, saying he's terrible and has to resign. But what did he do? He got carried away in the heat of the moment with a, with a, 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 a team member that, I don't know I suppose in, I don't know if it was the office and you suddenly kiss the you know girl from accounts. you can't do that of course but in a football context it seems to be pretty consistent with football but but this is the thing men and women in football together has thrown up a host of new problems
1: yes I mean like you um I don't see it as you know um harassment it didn't seem to be in any way sexually motivated um he wasn't abusing his more powerful position in the team setup to kind of take advantage of her sexually i can't imagine he got a you know a kind of sexual thrill from kissing her on the lips he was just in a celebratory mood he was excited uh, he claims that she picked him up whereas it looks more like you know he kind of um uh uh sort of threw his weight onto her and lifted his legs in the air um uh i mean if you look at the video it's kind of complicated and i don't know if the entire case will hinge on whether she picked him up or he kind of leapt into her arms but anyway it looks more like the latter than the former um he claims he asked permission first you know can i can i have a little peck um and she granted it but i don't believe that uh, but like you I, I it doesn't seem like you know um, uh, a heinous sin. Um, and and to kind of build an entire. You know, I've read articles saying, you know, this has kick started the Spanish Me Too movement, you know, um, and it seems like a pretty flimsy basis on which to launch a Me Too movement. This wasn't about sexual harassment in the workplace, this wasn't about the exploitation of women by men. Um, uh, but having said that, I think the strongest argument for him, you know, resigning um, is that you know uh, it's difficult to make exceptions you can't say non-consent men kissing women on the lips when they haven't given their consent and giving them no choice about it by clamping their head in your hands you can't say that in some circumstances that's okay you know it's just hard to make exceptions Um, uh, that just you know uh, it, it may be that there are remarkable circumstances in which you know any reasonable person would not say you know you have to kind of burn down your career as a consequence for doing it but you can see from the women's point of view why they wouldn't want to make any exceptions to that rule men just can't under any circumstances shouldn't be able to force themselves on women particularly not in the workplace um, so um, I can see that argument but what's impressive I think is his um, his absolute defiance his unwillingness to bend to the mob I mean I can't think of another, example of when someone you know is targeted for cancellation when they've clearly crossed a line breached a you know a policy a code it has these kind of huge ramifications political ramifications in every other case when someone has been targeted for cancellation like that they've resigned they've fallen on their sword. Um, and um, and he's refused to do that. So it's a kind of an interesting test case. I mean, I wondered, you know, when I was targeted for cancellation, should I cling on? Should I force the people that are advising me to resign, um, uh, to actually fire me? Um, uh, you know, and would they have the stones to do that? Um, and in the end, like everyone else who finds themselves in this position, I resigned. And then after that, I had to resign from four more positions. Um, but that is, you know, that's what everyone does. No one. Does what he's done in this situation, which is just to defiantly refuse to go um, and claim he's done nothing wrong. Um, And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, at the moment, it doesn't look good. It doesn't, I mean, you know, I reasoned that resigning would probably ultimately be a better strategy uh, than clinging on for dear life and forcing, you know, um, uh, the organization in question to actually forcibly get rid of me. Um, uh, uh, I reasoned that that was probably going to be a worse outcome for me in the long run do more harm to my career in the long run and it looks as though you know that calculation is correct and that's probably how it's going to end up for him but it's an interesting experiment and i'm i'm fascinated to see how it ends up
0: yeah he's definitely stuck by it to a sort of yeah almost perverse and stubborn level i mean in a way that's probably not helping him but but then again yeah what's the alternative is to capitulate so yeah and like you i don't believe his claim that he asked he said little peck like he First, I mean that's weirder. That's much weirder. Kissing yeah, someone is, in yeah. the heat of the moment in a foot match is quite normal, but asking them if they want to kiss—that's very strange. <laughs> but yeah, you're, of course, yeah. he's saying that to to show that he asked for consent. But obviously, yeah. that's nonsense and, and very nonsense. creepy if he did. Yeah. Um, but the big problem, Toby, apart from the syntax, I mean, you can't. This statement is real from the lionesses. I've just checked it. You can't just start unacceptable actions allowed to happen by a sexist and patriarchal organisation. You can't start a sentence like that. You you, you have to say. Something like in light of the recent blah blah, or yeah. the, you know, it' kind of unacceptable. Like, you could, well, it's just a bizarre way to start a sentence for us, just to begin yeah. with. But when you see the, the word "patriarchal" in there, you know that we're just in a, a different world here. We're in the world of far-left politics. We're in the world of extreme feminism. We're not in the world of just some women kicking a ball around in a sport, which is fine. It, it'd be weird if I had a problem with that. They can do what they want. But well, some might even some real trad cons might say, "Why are they even doing that?" But The idea that it's patriarchal, why is that word even in there? You know, some Mm -hmm. guy got carried away and kissed someone. This isn't patriarchy. And by the way, maybe it is, if it is patriarchy, patriarchy is pretty much all we've ever had and all that works, I would argue, by the way. I'd actually argue that anything that isn't patriarchy is an illusion because that's the world we will always live in because of uh, just the imbalance between men and women's strength. That's a whole other argument. But this thing of like, Patriarchy. What's that doing in it? Don't, don't you just think women's football is so inherently politicised that it's just... And, and by the way, all football to an extent now and all sports to an extent, we have to undergo political lectures from Sky. I was even watching an interview with Liam Smith, who's about to face Eubank Jr. in a rematch, and they had to dedicate a certain section of it to a sort of apology and reflection on the fact that he called Eubank Jr. gay in the kind of a heat of a press conference, which is kind of classic, you know, boxing banter. It doesn't really mean anything, but it's kind of they're like... And there yeah, I regretted it. And everyone cancelled him for that. Isn't this kind of, isn't wokeness in sports just one of the most miserable things around?
1: It is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's what, for me, it's kind of, it ruins women's football. Um, You know, you can't just enjoy it as you would enjoy men's football. It's like you have to buy into the whole package. You have to kind of... champion women's football because it's striking a blow for gender equality uh, because it's striking a blow against the patriarchy um, and you know it, it, why does it have to come wrapped in that package you know and it's sort of it makes it I mean I'm sure it alienates even though they can't say it alienates but it must alienate a lot of male fans it's you know they don't want to they, they're not going to give it the time of day they're not going to check it out they're not gonna you know um, enjoy it in a kind of uh, you know simple Easy way because they've been told that you know it's this great political thing and you have to endorse all the politics that goes with it. You don't if you're going to enjoy it, which which is you know a barrier for me anyway. Not that I'm against women's equality, but I don't like being bulldozed into kind of taking particular positions.
0: Well, obviously I am against women's equality, but uh, it's one of my little little jokes for everyone there, but. I realized that just there, Toby, this is, it's not a problem. It's not, it's not about women. I've realized it before, but I just realized it afresh then that I, I hate the use of the word patriarchy. I hate this constant stuff about equal pay and the way that, yeah, the women's football is sort of basically seems to involve an awful, an awful lot of barely concealed hatred of men, but I hate equally the men's team kneeling for black lives matter. So what I really hate is wokeness in sport, which the problem is that women's football is almost inseparable from, from politics and from woke politics you know, whereas men's football they can stop kneeling after a bit, and you can sort of forget about it for a minute until Southgate says the next annoying thing. Whereas women's football, it just seems to be constant. It's the pay, it's the kiss, it's Megan Rapinoe saying some bollocks about trans.
1: Yeah, it's um, it, yeah, as you say, it's 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 what was your line about it being like um, it's like a kind of um HR fest, isn't it? It's um,
0: yeah, one massive HR investigation.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I think I was right. Sorry, women, if you enjoy women's football or men and you hate me for that, but that's my stance. I, I You know, I hate the women's football for the reasons mentioned and all wokeness in sport. Um, should we move on then, Toby, to the BBC? And there is a link here which you can elucidate in a moment. But the BBC have had a couple of, uh, of clangers, really, this week. So one thing they did is they had this guy, ex-drag queen, caught in paedophile hunter sting operation – and they say a former drag queen was caught in an online sting by vigilante pedophile hunters A caught as her. This guy was called Andrew Way. And they also said Way had been organizing the first ever gay pride event for Welshpool powers. So that was the initial article. Then that mysteriously disappeared. And instead of ex-drag queen, it said man caught in pedophile hunter sting operation. No mention of being a drag queen. A man was caught. Drag queen taken out again out of the, the paragraph there. And then later, they took out the gay pride event as well and just completely omitted that paragraph. And the BBC's explanation was that an earlier version of this story made reference to details not reported in court and has been updated accordingly. Now, that's their explanation. And of course, there are all sorts of weird rules with the BBC and with Ofcom and so on and all these kind of things we face. And so so that could be true, but it does seem very, very suspicious that it just completely aligned with the kind of thing the BBC would do politically under pressure to remove any reference to drag queens. And then maybe while we're here, we'll do the other absurd one, which is where someone's hand was changed from white to black. So this was an image of a white hand from Getty Images and was used on the BBC News website in 2018 in an article about lowering the voting age in Wales then the altered image with a black hand was used in March last year in a story about Welsh council elections. So they reuse the exact same image, that the hand is clearly the same, has the same shirt, has the same nails, but it changes the skin colour from white to black. And we have to ask, why on earth would someone think that was a good or appropriate thing to do? It's utterly, utterly insane. And that one's almost even more insane than the drag queen one. With the drag queen one, you go, yeah, of course, they don't want to say trans people or drag queens or anything or in any way bad or the prize in any way bad route one sort of woke whitewashing, whatever you want to call it. Woke washing. But with the black hand on, it's so odd because it's so it shows how confused and deranged we become about race that like we can't even have a white hand in a stock image putting a something a voting ballot into a box. That needs to be a black hand in Wales as well. I mean it's absolutely insane. <laughs>
1: It is insane, Um, and you know, I imagine the, you know, the the um, people, the BBC employees, the employees of BBC Wales, who replaced the white hand with a black hand, imagining they were striking a blow for racial equality. It's like if 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 you know, what possible difference are they making by changing the colour of the hand? I mean, it's just it's this is this is the form that. Political activism takes in organisations like the BBC. This is this is how they this is how they believe they're making a difference. Um, yeah.
0: What are they saying, Toby? What are they saying? Like white hands are even bad. We can't even have a picture of white. They obviously think white people are inherently evil and black people are inherently good. But this is this is the most crude representation of that belief set.
1: I imagine the explanation in both cases is that activist BBC employees in their twenties um, complained to. Their line managers, or to some high up in the BBC. Um, uh, in both instances, they they probably complained about the report about this person who was caught by the kind of paedophile hunters, and said, "What? Why mention that he is an ex drag queen? Why mention he organised Pride in Welshpool? You know, your 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 your. Um, this is this is this is a transphobic." trope um that you're um airing here you're implying that um all drag queens, anyone, any man who, who, who dresses up as a woman um, is a paedophile. Um, uh, that is a smear against trans people. It fuels transphobia. Um, wh- why are you perpetuating this far-right talking point? Um, that would have been the complaint there. And the other complaint would have been, are you suggesting that black people don't vote by having a white hand in this advert? Are you saying that they have more civic, a greater sense of civic responsibility than people of colour? That's racist. Um, and in both cases, that you know, the, the high-ups rather than argue um, with these um, petulant, you know, stony faced little brats wagging their fingers in their faces, uh, just immediately capitulate for the sake of a quiet life. Um, only only for people to notice and the whole thing to blow up in their faces. But it's the story of every, you know, modern company, not just the BBC.
0: That's true. And what was your link to the Luis Rubiales thing? Oh, the,
1: the, the link was, um, I was going to say, we were talking about Louis, Luis Rubiales. Um, so the BBC were reporting on uh, his difficulties and they flashed up a picture, not of Luis Rubiales, but of um, Pablo Zabaleta, who was one of the BBC's own World Cup pundits. Uh, so he wasn't very happy about that.
0: Right, a different bold football guy who didn't kiss anyone yeah.
1: inappropriately. I guess, yeah. All, all people of uh, all, 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 all Spaniards look alike to these um, BBC. So There's
0: discrimination f- against bold people.
1: Producers, yeah. yeah.
0: And maybe, isn't that, is that, is that, letter, where's, isn't he Italian? Or is he, is,
1: is he, 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 is he, I don't know. He's Argentinian. Probably, is he Argentinian? Argentinian? Okay, so. Sorry, yeah. of
0: course. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. But he, the, he is a bold person who looks really similar. So it's discrimination against bold men, clearly. Okay. Um, and what about was about, that. you wanted to point out as well that the BBC have sent out 36 yeah, million. So, threatening yeah, letters. so.
1: Yeah, this kind of thing won't have helped um, the BBC in its uh, campaign to persuade people to pay the licence fee. Um, People are refusing to do that in larger numbers than ever before. And there was a story in the Telegraph this morning um, saying the BBC has sent out threatening letters to 36 million British households um, uh, in which people apparently have televisions but didn't pay the license fee this year uh, but 36 million that's quite a high number um, and uh, if you know if if that many people are now not paying the license fee the bbc is in trouble and the license fee ain't going to last much longer
0: yes and obviously i can't imagine what it would be like to not pay license fee ever kids always pay your license fee and uh, i would never not pay my license fee Despite all the threatening letters, I would never ignore a series of threatening letters from the BBC. You know, I would just pay for their propaganda immediately and capitulate. I just want to make that clear. And um, uh, <laughs> I shouldn't
1: even talk about that on the podcast. But yeah, I mean, it's completely but absurd. I, wait, wait, wait. Do, 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 do you ever Obviously, actually? I don't have I mean, a TV. But do you ever do you ever watch live television pictures in your home?
0: No. Um, that, no, I don't, I mean, sir.
1: I, 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 Please I go away. Think, Shuts I, the door. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think. I do uh, I mean, it's all you know via the internet or via streaming services. I mean, I've signed up to Disney Plus, Netflix, Apple TV Plus, Paramount Plus, uh, Amazon Prime. I mean, I don't have time to kind of tune into you know, the world. I mean, whatever it is, Pebble Mill at one, I mean, at one o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, yeah. Who watches why, TV? Who watches? Why live white people are evil
0: on CBBS. Yeah. Not the <laughs> not GBBS as GB cheaply G-Bee gets oh, no. called, but the actual one. Yeah, drag Welcome Queen Story Wyatt.
1: Hour with Jack and Ori. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I would never watch this trash. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah. You don't have to pay for it if you don't watch that rubbish. But I don't know what the exact rules are, and I can't advocate anyone doing anything. Although it doesn't surprise me that this many amount, this many people haven't paid it. In the way, it doesn't surprise me that people are sabotaging ULES cameras. Like, I'm not advocating any behaviour. I'm just saying it doesn't surprise me. That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> This, that's another one I'm going to have to scrub out when uh, when we launch this new political party.
1: Soon it'll become. Um, yeah, I, I imagine that using the the phrase "blade runners" to describe the um, people who vandalise ULES cameras. Um, I imagine that'll soon be banned um, because it sounds like you're glamorising law breaking criminals.
0: Yes, we can't glamorise them. They're doing a terrible thing. Capitulate to Sadiq Khan and the BBC, everyone. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Okay, well, those, that's pretty much all our topics. We've got so much to get through, Toby, and it's already quite a long episode. So let's crack on and get into our occasional section, which is the X-Files. So the X-Files this week focuses on Elon Musk. And you could argue some of our earlier things were X-Files, but they were so important. They broke out of the X-Files, like the Trump mugshot much in the way that some of our stories were Pete Woke the BBC, where they were so woke they broke out of the Pete Woke section in, into main stories. But the Department of Justice has gone after SpaceX. The Justice Department filed a lawsuit against Space Exploration Technologies Corporation, SpaceX, for discriminating against asylees and refugees in hiring. The lawsuit alleges that from at least September 2018 to May 2022, SpaceX routinely discouraged asylees and refugees from applying and refused to hire or consider them because of their citizenship status in violation of the Immigration and Nationality Act. And there was some reason, Musk cited, why it had been made impossible for him to do that, or very difficult. And then someone pointed out, and I should have checked this just before, they pointed out that part of the Department of Justice, and I can't remember which part, actually doesn't hire refugees or asylum seekers either, despite suing Musk for this. So this seems to me like clear lawfare. This is America now. They don't like Trump. They put put him in prison, or at least they arrest him and get a mugshot. They don't like Musk, even though it's one of America's most important companies. They just go after SpaceX, go after your political opponents in all realms. Toby, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it did. It did sound um, slightly dubious. Um as you say, um, I mean it's perfectly possible that the Justice Department, at least in some of its divisions, um, only hires U.S. citizens, um, and I don't think that should prevent them from prosecuting people for, you know, discrimination. But I think Musk's argument um, sounded pretty good, which is that um, given the high-level technology that you know employees at SpaceX um, are. You know, using familiarizing themselves, being exposed to, uh, given that that's you know that that's 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 kind of you know military grade, you know rocket technology. Um, you can see why. Um, I, I think he said that, 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 that the the rule is that that if 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 people are going to be working with this unbelievably technologically sophisticated equipment, um, which you know could be targeted for industrial espionage you can only the rule is you can only employ u.s citizens you can't employ any non-us citizens to work in these kind of sensitive high-tech businesses that sounded like a pretty good argument to me and i guess you, yeah yeah they're gonna have to argue about what the law is that's true that was a
0: good argument um yeah and i need to i need to check the video about the hypocrisy element but yeah, it did seem like. Do you think it's just a textbook example of the Biden administration? Because it was, it, it, they they launched it something like a month after Musk bought Twitter. So do you just think it's just pure political persecution or what?
1: Uh, I, I don't. I don't know enough about the story. I'm afraid um, to know okay. whether there's any merit in the case at all. Um, uh, but um, I'm saying, he, i mean, not he's, quite confident. He, 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 he- He's got a lot of people have got lawsuits against Elon Musk and against his various companies, haven't they? He doesn't seem to bother him e- over much.
0: And now isn't he's suing these NGOs, which you you had a story about?
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, he, he he said um, so. Um, uh, Michael Schellenberger um, published a great piece on his Substack by an Irish journalist called Ben Scallon um, about the. Um, uh, Influence um, over the um, censorship industrial com- complex uh, being wielded by George Soros-backed NGOs, uh, and it was about you know George Soros's money uh, essentially funding um, uh, uh, the um, censorship industrial complex, and um, uh, and Trump, um, sorry, uh, Musk uh, retweeted it and said that he was going to uh, sue. Um, some of these Soros-backed NGOs, um, because he thinks I, I, I think I, I think the connection. Um, I think there's a connection here with another story in which Trump said that uh, he was going to sue the people funding the Center for Countering Digital Hate, uh, which he blames for persuading a lot of advertisers not to advertise on. X, uh, It's been waging this campaign. It's the American equivalent of stop funding hate, which has done the same to GB news and other media companies in the UK. Um, so I think he, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sue um, uh, the, 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 the organization's funding this NGO, which has launched this attack um, and, and cost me hundreds of millions in revenue. And the implication was that um uh, you know Soros has given money or or a Soros funded NGO has given money to the Center for Countering Digital Hate. But I don't think he's established that yet. And I did try and look into it, but in a cursory way, and it didn't look like it wasn't obvious that, you know, George Soros's money was finding its way towards the Center for Countering Digital Hate. But it's an interesting idea, you know, all these NGOs that, you know, accuse platforms like X of um, trafficking in hate speech and publishing misinformation and disinformation, a lot of them are funded by um, George Soros. Um, so if you can you know, sue George Soros, then that would be a great way of fighting back against the – or some of these George Soros-funded NGOs. Um, that would be a great way of fighting back against the censorship industrial complex.
0: Yeah, that's definitely one way to attack it. And Musk has all these problems with these NGOs and everyone trying to shut down advertising on Twitter and all those people. But Soros is an interesting one because he's obviously a sort of figure of hate for the particularly American conservatives, which they, and particularly Musk, because he said Soros reminds me of Magneto, he said back in May. You assume he has good intentions. Uh, he doesn't. He says he wants to erode the very fabric of civilization. Soros hates humanity. So it couldn't be much clearer that. I mean, he absolutely hates Soros. And many people have said this because of the way he shorted the pound and all these kind of things. They think he just, he just leeches off, you know, bad events and he just... And he obviously is behind all these things like Antifa. People claim with his funding. Other people would say he's someone who grew up with the chaos of Europe, and he was so desperate to avoid something like the Nazis again that he just wants a global globalist system because he doesn't want you know countries to be at war with each other, and that's why he doesn't want nationalism. Though others would point out again that he he actually helped the Nazis when he was younger, but he was some would say well he was too young to have any choice or understand because he, he sort of went around with them while they were confiscating properties and stuff. And weirdly, he called it a happy-making time, which is a bizarre quote. Anyway, we don't have time to go into the Soros rabbit hole. But um, anyway, that's that story. I was going to add one thing, but I I can't remember. It probably wasn't that important. Um, Write in and let us know what you think about George Charles. No, you don't have to do that. Let me just take a minute here to do an advert from one of our relatively new sponsors, DC Olden, who says, So... You're a free thinker, or you wouldn't be listening to The Weekly Skeptic, but what do free thinkers do to relax? Many of us still enjoy a good book, so I'd like to introduce you to fellow free thinker and best-selling author, D.C. Alden, A former soldier and police officer, D.C. writes with pace, style, and genuine authority, and his thrillers have been described as a fusion of Frederick Forsyth, Tom Clancy, Clive Cussler, and Andy McNabb. Global pandemics, UFO mysteries, and military action so real it will make you dive for cover. DC's hard-hitting novels have garnered thousands of five-star reviews on Amazon, so why not check out Invasion Downfall, the first thrilling episode of his chart-topping Invasion UK series. Some say it's fiction, others, The Shape of Things to Come. Why don't you decide? Head over to Amazon now and discover the dark, dangerous, and gripping world of top G thriller writer DC Alden. Should we get on to everyone's favorite section? Because we've got so much to get through. So let's get on and do Peak Woke. So, Toby, there's so many Peak Wokes this week. Maybe I'll start with this one, that a senior woman was interrogated at her home by West Yorkshire police. Those guys again. And uh, I'm just sorry. Sorry. And that it, it, it was unbelievable. It was for taking a photograph of a sticker critical of gender ideology. And she's in her 70s. And the police came to her house and interrogated her about this. And it's not clear how they even got her details. Someone probably reported her at this thing, which was Happy Valley Pride, I think it was called. This was in Hebden Bridge, was it? Absolutely shocking. Imagine that a woman in 70s takes a photo of a gender critical sticker which has been placed on top of this thing that said stand by your trans happy And then a sticker was placed on it that said keep males out of women only spaces. And she was seen taking a photo of this. Then the police come to your house. It's impossible to really exaggerate how disgusting this is and how dystopian and ignorance is no excuse because this keeps happening. The police can't really just say we're just following orders at this stage. If you ask me, I just thought it was absolutely appalling, not surprising given what we've seen lately, but just another appalling example, Toby.
1: Yeah, one of the um, most shocking details, I mean, there were, there were, there were, I guess, two really shocking details about this story. The first is that, well, how did the police manage to track her down? Um, she took a photograph of this sign advertising happy valley pride with us with a kind of gender critical sticker on it um uh, but no one stopped her from doing it um no one engaged with her when she took the photo um the only way the police could have identified her and tracked her down is by examining cctv footage of this particular poster uh, but why would they bother to you know they find someone taking a photo of the sticker did they think she put the sticker on and was photographing it as a way of memorializing her handiwork god knows but you know they managed by you know using cctv footage and presumably facial recognition technology to Find out who she was, track her down, go to her house, and interrogate her about this. I mean, that's the first really shocking detail. The second shocking detail is that even though they said they weren't going to press charges, they weren't going to, you know, <laughs> nevertheless they recorded they recorded it as a non crime hate incident, uh, which is that's really shocking because you know, um, uh, Swella Braverman recently. Um, issued some statutory guidance on the recording and retention of non-crime hate incidents, and the the, the purpose of that guidance was to try and instil a bit of common sense in the police and say, really, you shouldn't be, you know, handing handing out NCHI notices as if they're parking fines. Um, uh, y- you must limit uh, 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 the people you attach them to, to to a much smaller pool. You know, there's all this data about how many NCHIs have been recorded against people, I mean, it really is shocking free speech union. We think it's about a quarter of a million and so were first introduced in 2014 and that's in England and Wales alone. Um, but, but West Yorkshire Police have clearly ignored this new statutory guidance um, and, and it, there isn't even A victim here. I mean, you know, not even you know someone who claims to be a victim. I mean, usually you can justify the police would justify recording this as a non-crime hate incident on the grounds that even though she might not have been motivated by hatred, um, if the victim or anyone else perceives her behaviour as being motivated towards the one of the victim's protected strands, then it can be recorded as an NCHI. But who's the victim here? She just took a photograph of a billboard. Um, So. how can it possibly be an nchi anyway where this story appeared in redux this relatively new uh, gender critical feminist um online magazine news publishing site and we've reached out to them at the free speech union we're trying to get hold of the contact details for this woman we don't have access to the facial recognition technology or the cctv footage so we can't track her down like the police did but we want to say to her if you want the free speech union's help we think we can get this nchi removed and it's quite serious because um As I'm sure you know, Nick, if you have an NCHI recorded against your name, and they don't always tell you if you have, by the way, so you might have one recorded against yours. Uh, If you then apply for a job, which requires your employer, which requires you to do an enhanced DBS check, like working with kids or working for the scouts or something, um, then um, the NCI can show up um uh, and that can be a reason for the employer not giving you a job so you know it can really affect your employment prospects it's quite a serious thing uh wow. so anyway if this woman is listening yes. by any chance um, get into con- 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 info at freespeechunion.org and we we'll think we can get that nchi removed we've done it before we'll quite destroy these scumbags
0: yeah we'll get it, get it removed and they don't get removed from for minors even do they that's one key thing they even
1: yeah no, they it's so they don't. disgusting. If, yeah, and the, the, the new statutory guidance discourages police from recording them against um, children, against the names of children, but um, I imagine that's probably still happening too. West Yorkshire police seem to be one of the worst offenders. They were the same force who um recently arrested the 16 year old autistic girl for telling a wpc that she looked like her lesbian nana um so yeah, yeah they're out of control the west yorkshire police uh, they're policing and- people's tweets not our streets the burglary solving rate in west yorkshire is typically you know three percent of you know burglaries ending convictions uh, but Tweet to take a photograph of a gender critical sticker and they're round round to your house like a shot. I mean imagine that the, the, the man now is involved in tracking down this poor woman. I mean, what about all the crime that's going on in West Yorkshire? What about that? Why are you wasting your bloody time tracking down this woman? I mean, it makes me angry. Anyway.
0: Well, because it's a narco-tyranny, Toby, which is a state where you 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 leave real criminals and you punish the innocent. That's the it's a it's a feature, not a bug, would be the answer. Yeah. But it's very yeah. embarrassing, it's the North. I mean my mum's from Lancashire and I'm from Cumbria, so not guilty. But it's embarrassing. It's the North that is doing this. You would think Northern people would be too sensible for this, and we'd, especially in Yorkshire. Come on, Yorkshire! You just think they'd say this is absolute bollocks. But look, and there was a freedom inf- information request in the Redux article, and. And the officer confirmed, they said she denied placing the sticker there. So they were trying to interrogate, seeing if she was the one that placed the sticker rather than merely taking a photo. Because, of course, it's very serious if you place the sticker. She denied placing the sticker there and stated she was merely taking a photo of it. Words of advice were given regarding the harassment and alarm that this sticker could potentially cause the community. So, again, it's a subjective harm that someone else could potentially report. But apparently the person who placed the sticker is the one there. That's the kingpin they're really trying to get to. They're just taking <laughs> yeah. a photo of it, it was not a, yeah. a crime. They said it wasn't a crime, but they did record it, as you say, as a non-crime hate incident.
1: Yeah, the, the sticker lord, the, the, the godfather of GC stickering. Yeah, they, yeah. They, maybe they were hoping that she would give him up um, when they when they put her under the hot light. But yeah, apparently she yeah,
0: held for... You should her. have come to me earlier. You don't, you don't come to me about stickers. <laughs> you don't even think to call me godfather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean uh, uh, it, and the last thing toby you, you say i could have them non-crime hate incidents i probably have just like a slew of them that i don't even know about if i ever found yeah. out and it would just be this podcast as someone listening to it just bang 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 with timestamps of every time i've done one but luckily <laughs> the kind of jobs i go for like gb news it will just be a massive benefit to me <laughs> um so toby what about this other obscene incident with the tory councillor? that was one of your Pete works i think
1: yeah, this poor Tory councillor. Um, so, yeah, not only was he um, arrested, but he was taken into custody uh, for something like nine hours, and the police uh, haven't yet decided whether um, you know uh, he, he's going to have to go to court. Um, but his he, it, it seemed like his 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 main sin um, was um, uh, posting a video on X of the arrest of a Christian preacher by the police. And the police eventually admitted it was a case of wrongful arrest. Um, and um, as I think Constantin pointed out, it's like this guy's been wrongfully arrested for reporting on a wrongful arrest, which is... You know, it doesn't get much worse than that from the police's point of view. I mean, embarrassing behaviour. Um, uh, but also he, you know, there's this King Lowell um, who's a colleague of his. Oh, this guy's a Conservative councillor, King Loyal, also a Conservative councillor. This is in um, uh, the uh, kind of uh, is it is it Northamptonshire, um, and um. So King Lowell said that, um, you know, since when should we celebrate sins? Pride is a sin and got into trouble. He was suspended by the conservative group uh, and he's currently under investigation. And he started a petition or someone started a petition to support him. And um, the other sin this conservative councillor made was to repost that petition on X. Uh, and there was there was something else as well. Uh, one other thing equally um trivial um and not under any stretch of the imagination a crime but it's like you know um he's reporting on the on the police wrongfully arresting a christian preacher and he's supporting the right of a conservative counselor colleague he's supporting his right to free speech apparently if you're in the northamptonshire constabulary you think that's a potential hate crime um and it's extraordinary that they haven't yet you know announced that there'll be no case to answer. And I imagine this will end with an apology um, and a wrongful arrest uh, verdict. Um, the Free Speech Union, he, he actually, we were in touch with him, but he's actually decided to go with the Christian Legal Centre a bit more experienced with this kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And he seems cool, this guy, Anthony Stevens. He looks strong. He looks base. You see this picture of him. He looks like King Theoden or Mixed with Ian Botham, he just looks like a yeah. solid guy. He, he would stand up for free speech. I can already tell he's a legend. It's an absolutely disgusting, absurd case, as you said. I mean, yeah, re- reporting on someone who was already let off for it being wrong, wrongfully arrested and paid compensation. I mean, the police just keep doing this to themselves. It's just, it's just so disgusting. And it seems to be getting worse and worse. And the fact that he was reported by a Labour Party member, to me, is a little glimpse of what Starmer's regime might be like. Obviously, that's just a member... It's not someone in the cabinet or something but if you look at can you imagine how bad it's going to be on the labor when this kind of thing it just runs riot and is is well, kind of fueled yeah, by starmer
1: yeah d- 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 did you already say that um the reason the police arrested this guy um is because he was reported reported to the police by by a labor councillor yeah. So that, that yeah, yeah, shocking. Um, uh, did, did you see that? The, the, in fairness, I, to I, the pl- I said
0: Labour Party member. You're saying it was an actual councillor.
1: No, it was, it was supposedly another councillor. Yeah, on, right, in the same, right, wow. you know, in the same county council. Um, but in fairness to the police, we ought to point out that Sir Mark Rowley, uh, the new commissioner of the Metropolitan Police has, I think uh, it was in the paper this morning, he's told his officers to stop associating themselves with political causes such as Black Lives Matter, Extinction Rebellion and Pride. And he had this one really good line. He said that um, he described himself as, quote, fairly narrow minded, unquote, on these issues and said the only acceptable additions to police uniforms were poppies, help for heroes, wristbands, and police and, a, and the police memorial badge. So that was quite encouraging. Maybe we're, be, nice. we're seeing a bit of common sense return to the Met.
0: We need a kind of Batman level. We need the, someone to come in and clean up Gotham. We need that kind of level, don't we? Just someone comes in, just tough. Batman gets involved. We, we don't care if they're a bit of a psychopath. They beat. They, they, at one point, they beat a guy up and get really carried away. And they're like, who's this? This new mayor seems a bit off. Maybe maybe later <laughs> they turn into a supervillain, but that's the kind of guy we need—a really tough Batman-esque mayor, don't you think?
1: He's go, go, like dr- dr- drives around London with like blades on his on his on his kind of Superman car, <laughs> um, which chop chop down all the Uless cameras.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why I've gone from police chief to mayor, but we need a tough. We need Commissioner Gordon. We need a tough mayor, and we need like a vigilante just on the side doing the other bits that you know that can't be done officially. That's really what we need. That's what I'm. I mean, that's going to get me in trouble with the new party, Lord
1: (laughs) Frost. Lord Frost,
0: what did he mean when he said we need a new vigilante? (laughs) Uh,
1: When he he said he wouldn't mind if this um, vigilante beat people up, was he actually... (laughs) (laughs) Good point.
0: Just uh, satirical content there, guys. As always, this whole podcast is satirical. Um, How about this one, Toby? Alice Cooper... The eyeliner-wearing Godfather of Shock Rock was dumped by a cosmetics company after the singer questioned the rush to perform trans surgeries on kids and said that it was a fad. Absolutely shocking. Vampire Cosmetics dropped Alice Cooper because he said some incredibly normal and sane and important things about transitioning children. I find it wrong when you've got a six-year-old kid who has no idea... He just wants to play and you're confusing him, telling him, yeah, you're a boy, but you could be a girl if you want to be. I think mean, that's so confusing as a kid. It's even confusing to a teenager. And this is all very good stuff from Alice Cooper. And the fact that he gets dropped for this, I mean, it's incredibly sinister. I mean, that companies will drop you for saying that people shouldn't physically and psychologically abuse and potentially mutilate children. It's, it's so insane and evil to me. It's almost beyond comprehension. It's like, how do you just, just look at that? You say, guys, maybe we shouldn't be telling six-year-olds the other gender and pushing them down a path of surgery and puberty blockers and so on, and then a company drops you for that. I mean, how how just step back from that? How have we
1: ended up here, Toby? It's so insane. It is absolutely insane, um, and it's good that Alice Cooper um, is on the right side of this issue. Um, He's a big Christian. Uh, a couple of other examples of um, uh, trans-related insanity. Um, so, though um, calling a trans woman. A wanker um, is discrimination, according to the Employment Tribunal. So um, a, a, a trans identifying man um, uh, um, uh, was was called a wanker um, by one of his colleagues um, and uh, he successfully sued or well, he successfully sued the company in the employment tribunal on the grounds that that was discriminatory against his trans identity um hmm. so that's <laughs> uh, interesting Yes, yeah, so if- o- uh, only an insult you can apply to a man apparently
0: yes so it's not the insult it's not that you call the way it's like yes i am a wanker but i'm not a wanker like call me a dickhead or an arsehole it's that he's. Oh, it's well, that he's. It, yeah, a, it, it's. It's it, a, He has a penis. Is that is what? No, she has a. Yes. These are. Yeah. These are. Hang uh, on. These are men. Often, that want to be women, and they don't want their penis emphasised. So they don't. They are. They don't mind being called sort of. Well, could, they probably couldn't call a dickhead either. Could they be called? What, well, what could they be called?
1: Uh, well, you would have thought it would hinge on whether they were kind of pre-op or post-op transsexuals. I mean, I imagine. I think this person. You know, it was pre-op, I mean, had a penis. So, you know, even if they identify as a woman, they still have a penis uh, and they presumably still masturbate from time to time. So why can't you call them a Wenka um, I don't know. It seems like a, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be appealed and the um, Employment Appeals Tribunal will um, will be more sensible. It's like um, it a pretty extraordinary ruling.
0: You're referring to say so a sort of dead penis. Are you dead penising them in some way? <laughs>
1: Well, but, right? if, the, but the pe- if the penis isn't dead, um, no, but why it's, it's is that metaphorically that dead. You're <laughs> saying it's still
0: there. They've transitioned. They've got the penis, but they want to be identified as a woman. And you're highlighting their penis.
1: Yeah,
0: that they could potentially wank. Sorry for the language or well, the Christians listening. <laughs> but if they're a wanker, they you know they could use this penis for that activity. So it's highlighting their extant penis.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a complicated one, but. Um, I would have, I would have thought, if you've still got a penis, even if you identify as a woman, you can legitimately be called a wanker. But
0: to emphasize they have a penis is the hateful part, isn't it? Yeah,
1: but well, yeah, but and
0: how can you know just looking at them if they've cut it off or not? As well, that's another point.
1: But when you call someone a wanker, I mean, it's kind of, um, I mean, he's the, the, the tribunal is taking the meaning very literally, isn't it? Mm. I mean, when you call someone, when you call someone a wanker. You, you're not. You're not kind of necessarily thinking of the. Yeah, it's 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 just meaning they're no, kind of a particular yes. type, of but it's their character. It's yeah, a comment Toby, on their character to isn't it?
0: counter that. Would you ever call a woman a wanker? You don't really call a woman a wanker, do you? I mean, I've heard you call women shocking things, but you don't. One doesn't call a, a woman a wanker. One calls a my a word beginning with B that's terrible, for, for example. Other other word. You don't call you, maybe, only if you're doing maybe a kind that, of funny
1: reverse. Maybe that maybe maybe that was the argument. Maybe our initial. Lampooning of the employment tribunal for finding in the trans woman's favour um, was based on too literal an understanding um, of, of of that particular insult. You're quite right; it is an insult, I think, which you don't generally apply to women only to men. So I suppose you know this 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 trans woman could legitimately claim that she was being disc- he he was being discriminated against because um, he identifies as a woman.
0: Do you know what? There's so many insults that one only applies to men. I reckon there's a real gender imbalance here. You can only think of one or two insults for women. There's like a moderate one beginning with B and then there are a couple of worse ones. But I can't think of, there's not this whole like slew, like like dickhead, bellend,
1: wanker. These know, are all yeah.
0: dick-based insults.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, I, and you can uh, still but, but, call but men the women's insults as well. You can, yeah, yeah. You can still, you can call men the C word. I don't imagine that, you know. And the T,
0: and, uh, and the and t- and t- and t- we beginning with T you can call them. You can call a man, can't you?
1: Yeah, which actually means a
0: vagina. So you can call a man almost any insult that belongs to a man, or because men are so hated, Toby. You can call them just animal insults, plant-based, mineral insults.
1: Well, I suppose that isn't isn't the feminist complaint is that why should comparing a man to a female body part um, be an insult? It's because our society is misogynistic. Yeah, but then why do we insult? (laughs) People based on male body
0: parts It's just where any taboo area it becomes an insult. You don't want to be called a dickhead or a bellend. That's suggesting that dicks are bad in some way, or it's bad to have that's one true. on your head at
1: least. That's true. But a bellend just
0: says you have. There's nothing wrong with having <laughs> that part, is there? So I why is that right. an insult? I think,
1: I think it's. Um, I suppose because your whole person becomes I suppose, the I suppose, bellend. I suppose, maybe, 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 maybe that was part of this this um, trans woman's case, Nick. Maybe she, you know. Maybe he argued that you know one of the benefits of being um, a woman, Um, and I think I should be treated as a woman now that I identify as a woman uh, and not to is an act of discrimination. One of the benefits is that there are all sorts of insults which can no longer be levied at me because um, you you can levy any insult at a man, but one of the privileges of being a woman is you are protected from various insulting words. No one applies them to you because it wouldn't make sense. And one of those is wanker. Maybe that was our case. That
0: could have been the case. Very interesting. I think about a term like bellend. Is it sort of? It's not the insult. Is not that you have one. It's that your whole persona becomes one in a kind of cynic, ducky. however you pronounce that word? Which is debated. You know what I mean. You become the bellend yourself entirely. It represents your whole person. Whereas the and dickhead, I, the problem yeah. is that it's on your head, isn't it? In the wrong place.
1: Well, people often refer to me as Captain Bellend. What? What? Right. What, what is, that means you're the sort of head, her, you're the leader. You're the leader of the bellend.
0: A group, even worse. Well,
1: like, yeah. Maybe not the leader, but kind of you know you're quite a manager, high up. quite high up. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, there's probably I don't know the rankings. Is it, what what is this, is there a sergeant Bellend that I don't, be I don't, sergeant I don't, major, major a,
1: Bellin, lieutenant Belland? general Belland? I need to know. I those don't think rankings. so. No. I'd prefer to be Colonel Bellend, obviously. Colonel would be um, nice, but you can yeah. you
0: can boss around all the corpor- corporate corporal Bellands. All, all the all the captain Bellends.
1: <laughs> That's another yeah.
0: thing. A private Bellend's a whole other kind of word.
1: Yes, he But um,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to. This is the important work we're doing to just try and unpick this, but we apologize for the language. We had to do it because of, uh, yeah. of science. but And also, our producer is uh, is Ben this week. He doesn't do it as much, so it's going to be quite hard for him to bleep all that out. So we're just going to leave it in. But um, what about this one, Toby, on peak? Well, opera must have more diverse character representation. So a Welsh opera singer has said that art must have more LGBTQ plus representation if it is to survive. And it's someone complaining that there's not enough gay people in opera. I mean, Good Lord. I'm surprised. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is quite extraordinary. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> well, not enough gay can, representation or something. Uh, yeah, you can imagine the opposite argument being made. But yeah, that's quite a difficult one to uh, get your head around. Um, you he yeah, came from a small I, I, Welsh village, this guy, and says he,
0: he basically needs more representation so that people know, even if they come from a small Welsh village, they can still do gay opera or something.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, but they, they can, can't they? I mean, it, there's no there's no exclusion on on no. There's being not enough representation. Singer. I suppose it, I suppose he's talking about the character. There aren't enough gay or there aren't enough LGBTQ plus characters um, in 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 operas, even though you know. The actors, Easy. fine. <laughs> but, oh, here yeah, he says, um,
0: in the arts in general, there are queer people everywhere. But my, Well, that's true. But the, my point is more specific. It's about the actual representation in a more explicit capacity. You have to be explicit, Toby. He said that he'd only ever been to two... He said he'd been... Hang on, he's been to two musicals and had never seen an opera with gay characters, though some do insinuate. However, insinuation is not enough as it goes over the heads of most audience members. So you just need the gay, like, right in your face, singing about it. Gay, just being openly, gay, operatically gay. No insinuation, that's
1: not enough. Yeah. Um,
0: well, that's all my people works.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've got a ton more, but we probably should crack on. I've got to yes. move, I've, uh, yeah. We've
0: got so, got to, it's, it's another bumper
1: episode. I've got Will waiting to talk to me.
0: Oh, okay. And we haven't even reviewed the reviews. Well, let's very briefly review the reviews. Maybe for the last time, because I'm kind of sick of this I'm kind of sick of the the people and the things they say, Toby. They're so cool. They're so <laughs> cool and awful. But let's just go through a couple of them. So let's deal with this one first. So this guy says, most thin, thin skin free speech something, and then it's cut off. So this guy says, I've loved London Calling for years and Weekly Skeptic since it started. Okay, good. Would be five-star, but getting blocked for this tweet from someone who claims to believe in free speech Nick is risible and he gives it one star. And the tweet was, was it really necessary to boast that we just it, got more listeners in eight months than London calling in eight years. Interesting way to win over London calling fans. No wonder got gutted that Elon is removing the block feature. Well, I've blocked a small amount of people for, for how, you know, for, for my followers, I blocked something like under 500 people. But this one, I did actually say last week, I tried to unblock this person because I blocked them because it was late at night and it was just an annoying comment. And I thought, okay, that was probably too harsh. That was more of a soft block would have, would have been sufficient. And then I, he's now put a one-star review. A few problems with this. I do admit I didn't necessarily need to bot them, but this person doesn't realise how many annoying comments you get. It is an annoying comment to say, was it really necessary? Yeah, it was necessary. I, oh, oh, yeah, of course it was necessary because I wanted to say it. And it's not an attack on London. How is it an attack on London calling listeners to say that there weren't enough of them over an eight-year period? It's clearly just a silly boast about me being the variable that has made this so great and move so fast compared to London calling. And it's there to annoy Toby not the London calling listeners. How can it possibly be seen as an insult that there weren't enough London calling listeners? I mean, I love London calling myself and I like that the listeners, I'm maybe, sure, are great people.
1: Maybe he is a Toby super fan and um, reading between the lines um, sounds like he is. And maybe, maybe he did object to your... Seeming to claim that um, the success of the Weekly Skeptic was um, almost entirely down to you, uh, and the, <laughs> the, the, the variable that made the difference. It's just defending
0: know. you. Yeah, but here's a couple of things, is. Toby. The lack of honor in someone who admits that it would be five star, but they're giving it one star purely because they're insulted. The lack of honor, and plus the irony. How thin skinned is that? You admit that it's a great podcast. You admit you love London Calling. I've listened to Weekly Skeptic since the start, and it would be five. But you admit that you're sort of. You know weak enough to give it one star, purely on spite and malice and resentment. well, how thin skinned is that? My thing originally was like, yeah, I get loads of annoying comments, that one just annoyed me, maybe I didn't need to block, but then you're so thin skinned you 're giving it one star here's a th- further argument i've never actually claimed to be thick skinned. I think this is an overrated boast from people who lack empathy, but you but you could argue. When he says that you're thin-skinned, yet you're a free speech advocate, it's actually even better. If you are thin-skinned personally, but you still advocate free speech, even though you're the kind of person that's going to be hurt by it, doesn't that position have more integrity than a thick-skinned person who's pro-free speech? How about that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very good. And a
0: further argument is I'm not free speech on all issues. I would have Christian blasphemy laws reinstated and have a theocracy. (laughs) Anyway, so that's that dismantled, and there's more arguments I could use. Someone says, love you. This is good. I just love your podcast. I laugh out loud. I do like Nick's response to the reviews. I agree that sense of humor is now viewed as anti-deluvian. Good word. Please keep it up. I love you both. That's from Pista Mike. So thank you, Mike. And um, here's one. Normie. Three stars. Stop referring to people as normies. It's gratuitously offensive. What elite group do you imagine you belong to? The abnormies. First of all, stop trying to tell us what to do on our own podcast. Get, get bleeped into oblivion gratuitously offensive If you find that gratuitously offensive you may be listening to the wrong podcast number two (laughs) normies is not an insult based on us being part of an elite group normies is the cry of rebellion for the outsider so you you, you go to a northern state school let's say you get spat on you get your head smashed into a window for no reason and then you unemployed and on benefits with psychological trauma you know then you have to become a stand-up comedian because it was it's kind of the one thing an outsider can do and then that gets, you get told that you're a straight white man. You can't get anywhere in that. So then you have to go and be even more cancelled and go on things like GV News and invent the weekly skeptic. And then you say, because I'm not a normie. And the normies get everything else. The normies get everything. They get the, the families, they get the houses, they get the safe jobs in their various liberal elite institutions. And all we get is to say things like normie. And normie is just an affectionate, semi-piss-taking term for someone like my brother, it, it, who you know, someone who works in a, a normal job. They're a normie. They're normally got two or three kids, and all their opinions are normal. They like Gary Lineker, and they do whatever normies do—go to barbecues. I've got no idea. But Toby, of course, we can say normies.
1: Well, I, I, I always thought that um, I was a normie. James Dellingpole used to call me a normie, um, uh, and you are um, did use yeah. it did use it in a in a in a fairly pejorative way. I think I, I know where this guy's coming from. Um, I think there is when you hear people talk about normies. The implication is that, you know, um, they're a little bit more special than, you know, than ordinary people. They're part of this kind of elite. Um, uh, it, 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 at Vanity Fair, I remember working in the kind of u.s glossy magazine business um people who didn't work for the business who weren't in fashion who weren't in show business were referred to as civilians almost as if you know if you were if you were in one of these um uh, garlanded professions you were like it was like being in the sas or something you weren't a civilian yeah. um uh, and that always slightly annoyed me there was a sort of degree of self-aggrandizement and vanity yeah it. and there's an echo of that in, in the word i normie. did
0: think of that and Liz Hurley called people civilians. Now, when Liz Hurley, a posh actress with loads of money, good-looking and everything, calls people civilians, you think, yeah, she probably hates the ordinary people. And the key difference with, with Normie is that it's the underclass, the outsiders, whatever we are, the abnormies, which he, which he uses in this, where the underclass below the Normies, or it's certainly outside of them, where in Demolition Man, we'd be the ones eating the rat burgers while they're in the kind of Elijah-like thing. I see. So... so-
1: so you think it's it's sort of punching up, as it were, whereas yes. civilians is punching down. Correct. Um, I'm not sure that's how most people hear the word "normie." They well, don't tough think about shit, this don't being... listen to the weekly script. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> if also I was going to say, if, if he found that offensive, he's certainly going to find our discussion of the employment tribunal <laughs> hearing about the trans woman quite Absolutely. offensive. Absolutely,
0: I know the whole podcast is offensive, and that's what we do. When people tell me to stop doing something, like listen to a different podcast. I mean, this is, if I can't say what I want on my own bleeping podcast get okay. bleeped into eternity this one is the worst one though you haven't even done the worst ones i know you've got to go Toby. i will do one more coward the is called coward from someone who's too cowardly to even give a real name a black English guy says he wants money for slavery on national TV. You didn't have the courage to tell him what a disgusting, ignorant, dangerous, and racist opinion that is. The idea that someone is owed money because of their skin and that I'm going to work for it because of my skin is so disgusting I can't describe it. Shame on you. You agree but didn't have the courage. Let me address this. This is referring to an episode of Headliners where I'm hosting. So, number one, I'm the host and have to be fairly neutral. Number two, this comes from a guy called Victor who i just met that night for the first time. He's done the show a handful of times, and I'm trying to encourage him. Number three, and actually most importantly, he's joking. He's making a joke. His whole style on the show is jokes. He brings a bit of lightheartedness to it. He's like, I don't want apologies. I want reparations. Where's my money? It's a funny way of addressing the story. He's saying, come on, show me the money. It's funny. It's a comedy. It's a lighthearted show. And this idiot, calling me a coward, wants me to call out Victor and say, "Uh, sorry, Victor, that's completely unacceptable. No, because you don't understand social nuance, moron. It's a joke. And, and, and the idea I'm a coward is one of the most disgusting insults because it's one thing that I know I'm not. There's so many things you could call me, but I'm not a coward. I've been in a street fight where I stood up for my mate and got punched in the face. I say mm-hmm. what I think on national TV, to use his phrase there, which I think is meant to be parodying me. And uh, it's just not an insult that you get anywhere with using with me. It's just not going to stick. There's so many other things you can go with. Too good looking to be that funny. There's loads of things you can say, but coward's is not one of them.
1: Yeah, that that's... And when we were discussing this story, um, when we were discussing the podcast, um, you told me about an incident that took place outside GB News when someone tried to pick a fight with um, one of the regular guests and you effectively stood up for them and stood by them um and uh, yeah, I, i'm, ready. I, I'm I, waiting
0: i'm ready for it to be punched again i can't wait yeah
1: <laughs> i was going to tell you a story so so um my, my 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 story of heroic courage recently um like last week my daughter rang me at about 1 30 a.m to tell me that there was um a guy that was trying to was trying to break into our car in our driveway and um and he'd wandered off up the street but seemingly was trying to break into other cars and of course there are lots of a of auto theft um on my road in Acton and there's no point in calling the police unless you know unless they unless they spray paint the car with trans women aren't women they're not going to come around um so um so me and my 15 year 16 year old son went out to 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 to, to deal with this um uh, and uh my son, my son had a kind of baseball bat concealed under his coat, and the any the only weapon I could find was a bicycle with one of those metal bicycle locks, which I was sort of concealing under my jacket. And We went out into the street to look for this guy, um, to 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 make sure he wasn't breaking into any of our neighbors' cars. I don't quite know what we would have done had you know had he confronted us, but we got us. I was sort of stealing myself for a confrontation, and we we got about I don't know five or five or six doors down. And there he was, sat on the pavement, almost collapsed, propping himself up with one arm. And quite close to his hand on the other side was what looked like a, a kind of spent crack pipe. And he was obviously a junkie um, going through, just, just seeing if any cars were open so he could rifle the glove box to see if there was any cash lying around to fund his habit. Um, uh, but, you know, it, it, I, I, it, I suddenly thought, you know, well, you know, I have to say, I did feel a little bit sorry for him, um, and uh, and the charitable thing to do would have been to kind of see if he wanted to live to a shelter of some kind or a rehab place. Uh, but anyway, suffice to say, we didn't set about him <laughs> with our makeshift with weapons. a bike. <laughs> I, I did say, mate. Um, mate. If, if, Don't don't break into any cars on this street. Um, You know, it's a quiet residential street and um, we will protect our property. Um, Canceled journalist. He he, he did get up and and walk away.
0: I just imagine it, Toby. Canceled journalist beats man with bike lock outside residence.
1: No, beats homeless junkie. Beats
0: homeless junkie (laughs) with baseball bat. New, New Julian Morn. It's like Jolly and Morn, but with people instead of foxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah that was, you're the vigilante bad. we need, That's what topic. we were thinking.
1: Yeah, I am. I am Batman. <laughs> I'm
0: Batman. Uh, so Cab Passenger says, keep reviewing the reviews. I particularly like the review section. It's made me really think about the economics of podcasting, the value of reviews as currency and everything around it. Also, some genuine passion there. Keep going. Yeah, no, no trouble with my passion. Um, and lastly, Toby, this strange review, five stars, which is great. And that one was five stars as well. And it says the orange pill. These fellas will literally list out the benefits of Bitcoin every week for six weeks when advertisers pay them to do it. Toby keeps that money. Only to immediately forget everything they were meant to be internalizing on the topic in the midst of a national de-banking scandal. Sad. I don't really understand that. Toby is unfortunately beyond help given that his mental model, sorry, Toby, for fixing the world's problems is to simply vote harder I genuinely didn't know this review was going this way. I'd forgotten. But there is hope yet for Nick, who is surely set to become the greatest British social commentator of the coming era. Take the orange pill <laughs> and see how deep the rabbit hole goes, Nick. So sorry, Toby, that one disses you. However, other reviews, I think, will agree. One called me a coward. One gave me one star for being thin-skinned. So I think I've eviscerated myself as well. Do you understand that one about Bitcoin? I think we do understand the merits of Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, and um, I think we, um, I think we addressed... I think in those ads, we addressed the benefits of bitcoin if you're worried about uh, being debanked um so i don't think we entirely ignored the um uh utility of bitcoin in the wake of the debanking scandal uh, but maybe we could have made more of it what does he mean by orange pill i've heard of the red pill and the black pill and the blue pill what is the orange I've heard of, pill? Yeah, does there's the purple
0: you? pill as well which is when you're a bit half normie between blue and red but what, what the heck is orange i mean how, how do you even get orange is it, is it red and yellow right What what's the yellow pill or is it yeah. red and white? Is it God with red pills, so you understand politics and the truth behind the media? But you also got God, and that makes it orange. I'm not. I'm not sure actually. Yeah, that's even stopped me, and I'm the sort of exact person who you'd go to to ask about that. Um, <laughs> about that question, I don't even know the answer. To that one. Um, it makes them look beyond the. I, okay, I need to look into this for next week. We haven't got time. It's when they become aware of the existence of Bitcoin and then spends countless hours trying to disprove. Ah, okay. So it's about Bitcoin. I didn't realize this.
1: Okay, so the, if, you, if you're a Bitcoin user, you've taken the orange pill.
0: I think I think so. Okay. Uh, means I, I need to check this because there's a few different versions, but it's obviously a Bitcoin. Uh, okay, yeah, I think it means that you're very much Bitcoin-pilled. All right, well, I need to learn more about that. Thank you for that, Bit Bitcalzo, because you did at least say a nice compliment about me and gave it five stars, so like, I'll take that. For in the future, Toby, I think I'm going to read out instead the buymeacoffee.com slash Nick Dixon. You're going to have to, because I hate the some of those things so much. The Normies one and the One Star Thin Skin one and the Coward one, I hated so much. I'm now just, for my own health, not going to read them. If you buy a coffee at nickdixon.com, sorry, buymeacoffee.com slash nickdixon, I'll read it out. Expat Cayman bought five copies, for example, and it says keep up the good work. Expat Cayman, I love that. You're just in the Cayman Islands. Awesome. And I want to thank... Uh, uh, Joe as well, who bought five coffee. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna read out the buy me a coffee people instead from now on. So then you know you can pay and leave a nice comment. And I'm, I'm, I'm considering not even reviewing the reviews because they're just so infuriating. Um Mammoth episode, Toby. Anything you want to do? Mammoth plug?
1: episode, yeah. So um do go to the Daily Skeptic. Um uh, and if you're not a member of the Free Speech Union, please join www.freespeechunion.org. And if you enjoy this content and the content of the Daily Skeptic, please do donate. It only for just five pounds a month, you can become one of our a member of our lively below the line commenting community.
0: Okay. And as I said, please go to buymeacoffee.com slash nickdix and support me. And not just this podcast, but the current thing, which I highly recommend. And by the way, if you're into Bitcoin, listen to my episode with Dominic Frisbee. And we just had a brilliant episode with Paul Coleman, who talked about the case of Paivi Razanen, who's the Finnish politician who's been Dang in a four-year legal battle for quoting the bible if you can imagine that so make sure you go to the current thing my other podcast where we do interviews and you'll you'll probably love it if you love this podcast uh is that everything toby i think that's that's a lot isn't it it's a big episode we'll get some complaints for this, yep. but some love for it as well all right so until next week stay skeptical stay
1: skeptical